When you first got to the varsity at Waxahachie, who was the first person to bust your butt and welcome you to varsity football? <laughs> oh, man. I think uh, pretty much all my teammates would probably say the same. Uh, you know, we had, we had Coach Thomas Brooks. Mm. He was our DC and D-line coach, and he was intense. He was <laughs> one of those guys that just brought it every single practice, every single day on the game at the games and i mean you know every every kid no matter the talent level i mean he was going to coach you up and you know it was it, he was not afraid to you know get right up in you you know so definitely definitely coach brooks and uh you know like i said he's one of those coaches that you know like as you're a player you're sitting there and you go Oh, I bet he would not be afraid to strap on a helmet right now and take a rep. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, he's been really good and it actually turned into a mentor for me uh, as I went through the profession. It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially, ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome back to another new episode of the Team Player Podcast. This is episode number 27. Man, I can't believe how far how far we are getting here. I've got a, a great guest today. He's a longtime friend of mine, former colleague. He is the founder of the Texas High School Football Chat. So if you're involved in the Twitter sphere, you know exactly what it is I'm talking about uh just just such a great revelation uh, just such a great invention that coach came up with we're going to uh, talk more about that but he's also someone that co I coach with at Clements and at Ridgepoint he's also coach K-Dog Swiss favorite marine biologist so nothing to sneeze at there welcome Chris Fisher to the show <laughs> well thank you for inviting me uh Kobo it's been uh I enjoyed you know listening to your podcast and I, I'm honored to be on this yeah, and I appreciate that, Coach. And I mean, you're you've definitely you you're you're in the game of, of high school football and Twitter and podcasts. So you're you're pretty up to date. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's so many great ones out there. We were talking off air about the Hanging of Coach Noonan podcast. That's one that I really like. Uh, the I Coach podcast of Marvin Nash. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Jason Campbell, who we're talking about, he's the Job eighty seven podcast. So I'm all about promoting these other podcasts. So if you like my show, please after we finish, hit, hit pause, look up that, look up Hanging of Coach Noonan. I coach job 87. And then you can also look up the four insight podcast. That's one I listened to. That's one of my former players, Mike Obi, that coach Fisher knows well, he actually mm -hmm. kind of motivated me to start podcasting our show. We're not going to really talk X's and O's or anything too high level. It's just getting to know great coaches. So it's going to be fun. We're going to take a trip down memory lane of coach Fisher. But if you've been a, if you've been a fan of what we're doing out here, please give us that five-star review. People that understand podcasts know this helps us a lot. The more five-star reviews we have, Basically, the easier it's going to be for more people to find our show and hear these great stories. Uh, if, you, if you leave a review, I'll, I'll read it. So just uh, leave it on there. I'll read it on an episode of the show. Hit that follow button. 
subscribe. And that way you'll get the new team player podcast in your queue every Sunday at 2 PM. That's what I do for all my favorite podcasts. I just, I subscribe and there they are sitting for me as soon as an episodes come out. And then I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K O V O. All right, let's dive into it. I already, I, I made a mistake early before we started on the pronunciation here and coach has taught me up. Coach grew up in Waxahachie, Texas. So just tell, I mean, and it was a great experience you had. I, I mean, I, I know that you, you won a state championship. So just kind of tell us what was it like growing up in Waxahachie? Waxahachie is a small town or it was a small town uh, outside of Dallas, about 40 miles south of Dallas. And uh, it was just a, you know, really just kind of a great one school town experience. You know, I mean, we, it was one of those towns that you talk about like, you know, Friday nights in the fall, the town shuts down and is at the football game. And uh, so, you know, you grew up, you know, wanting to be a Waxahachie Indian, you know, in one way or another. And so, you know, we you know, went to junior high, you know, coach, you know, we're, 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 were, were the Warriors. And then we'd go and see our junior high coaches helping out at the uh, varsity game on Friday night, you know, and, and get in for free, you know, so it was awesome. And, you know, then once you become, once you get in the football team, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it's an incredible, it was such an incredible experience, especially because, I mean, you know, we had a, we had a coaching change. Our, our, our head coach came in my freshman year and uh, because the previous head coach retired to just be the athletic director mm -hmm. and which is unusual at that time especially um you know for a one school town to have an ad mm -hmm. and then a separate head football coach mm -hmm. especially at our size because we were at that time we were 4a which is now 5a mm -hmm. um and so you know they split it up but it worked out fantastic uh you know because and Coach Phillips brought in the, you know, you know, his, his style to the, to the uh, school. And, uh, you know, we, we just took it from there. So it was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Everybody knew everybody. Yeah. You know, like I remember I graduated in a class of 260 people and uh, everybody knew everybody, you know, from middle, from, from kindergarten all the way through your senior year, you pretty much knew everybody one way or another in your class. So it was a lot of fun. And coach, was it your senior year that you won state? Yes, my senior year. Wow. What a way. Yeah. What a way to go. So that was it. That was awesome. We had uh, you know, like I said, uh, we had a great squad that year. I mean, just never give up. Um, we didn't, I mean, we had talent, don't get me wrong. I mean, we had, <laughs> we definitely had talent. We only had one guy that signed uh, a D1 uh, scholarship, and that was our quarterback, Lamont Moore. He went on to play ba at Baylor. Wow. And um, we had some other guys go play uh, up in like Oklahoma. And um, a couple guys went play Juco. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, we just, it was just, you know, just a really honestly, I mean, I remember our slogan that year was together we can. And really, yeah. I mean, we were together. You know, we really were. I mean, like I said, I mean, we all knew each other. I mean, from the moment we, you know, stepped on any school campus, we all knew each other and we had been working to this from day one, you know, and what was it, you know, it was a lot of, it was very, it was a lot of seniors on that class, but we also mixed well with the younger class, you know, the juniors that were playing with us were incredible 
athletes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they, you know, what what our senior class had, you know, the juniors complemented perfectly, and it was it was awesome. So, well, Chris, were they were they able to repeat the next year? The juniors. So they got really close. Uh. <laughs> so they uh, that like that junior class was. I, I mean, I think talent wise, might have been more talented than our state team. Sure. Um, but you know, they got so close. Uh, they went all the way to the state semifinals yeah and we're playing the stevenville yellow jackets coached by art Bryles, and we lost by one point 21 wow. to 20. oh yeah. my goodness yeah oh yeah it and coach was, you, your state winning game was it a nail biter or was it was it blowout or what i forget i forget what happened in that game no, it was it was a it was a back and forth game. Yeah. So we yeah. uh, we we ended up playing. So going through the playoffs, we had a pretty good run. You know, like we you know we handled everybody until yeah. we got to the quarterfinals. Um, the quarterfinals, we played Highland Park. Wow. Yeah. And you know we both teams were heavy running teams. You know we ran the uh, split back veer. Mm-hmm. They they ran something similar at the time, and it was just pounding, just boom, boom, boom. The final score of that game was 10 to 9. Wow. And, yeah. And yeah. And so we went from that to the semi or to the semifinals and we played Lubbock Estacado mm. and with Zebby Lethridge at quarterback. Okay. Yeah, Texas Tech. Yep. And beat them 70 to 6. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going into the state game feeling pretty good. Right. You know, back then, you don't, I mean, you hear about teams and you see right. their scores. But you don't know, like yeah. like kids know now who they're playing. They yeah. heck, they might have played with them over the summer in different leagues, so we didn't know who these who they were. But we we're playing the defending state champions, A and M Consolidated, and they had a, a junior quarterback, Jeff Watson, who also went on to Baylor. The his you know he played mm-hmm. at Baylor and actually took Lamont's job, um, and he was incredible. I mean, he was, I mean, he would not let AM, you know, Consol lose. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, just kept battling because we, they were running the, uh, they were running a, uh, I guess back then, like a run and shoot kind of spread style. Mm-hmm. And our philosophy back then, you know, we ran a, um, we ran a three, four, uh, we, you know, back then it was called a 50, mm-hmm. you know, we ran three, four defense and we were just hammering. We were just, Coach Brooks was just blitzing, just bam, 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 every single angle, just hammering. And um, he never didn't get up. He always got up. He he was so tough. He was their kick returner. And so wow. after one of our touchdowns, we take the lead and we're feeling good. We kick off to him, boom, returns it for a touchdown. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It was nuts. It was just that game. And it came down to a fourth down play in the in the fourth quarter. You know, we were up by four points, and you know, we just you know, it was uh, it was not in a great area of the field. <laughs> you know, but you know, we were just we couldn't. You know, at the time, it was one of those decisions Coach Phillips had to make, and he was just like, "Well, oh, we're going to go for it. We're going to win the game right here." And so we did. I think. You know, we called like 14 beer and, um, you know, I just ended up getting, you know, converting and uh, getting, getting it. 
And then from there, we just finished out the game. It was awesome. It, final score was 28-24. You know, the, the going forward in the inadvantageous areas of the field reminds me of someone else that we both know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about, I know you as an O-line coach probably had some really sweaty palms and some of those times Coach Stiffen, you know, decided to roll the dice on a fourth down. But we'll definitely, we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, what a great story, Coach. And you're, you're, you have a unique situation. I mean – there's not many people that can say they were a part of a state championship team as a player or a coach. I'm racking my brain right now. I think in the team player universe, the only people is Carlessa Dixon won it as a player at Dallas Lincoln and girls basketball. K-Dog Swift, Kevin Swift won it as a coach in Oregon and yourself. I, those are the only that I can recall just off the episodes we've done. So it's a small, it's a very small group, select group. So okay. the thing I wanted to ask you coach the question I have is when did, was there a point where you kind of knew it was going to happen? And I, I know you listened to a lot of these episodes. We talked about with Brett Sniffen and that Marshall game, mm-hmm. the point where I knew we were going to win it was oddly enough, after we'd given up a long touchdown run <laughs> to Devon Crookshank, you know, it was the way that the players responded running off the field made me say, Hey, we're going to win this game. I just knew it right at that moment. We're going to win this game. So for you, you talk about, you've known these, your teammates for so long. Was it something where like, at the beginning of the season, you knew it was going to happen or, or as you started getting rolling or, or did you never know? I mean, I'm curious your thought process as far as your confidence level is like, we're going to do this. Right. I think, I mean, you know, as a team, we, you know, our, I don't know, even though we had some tough games, I don't think our confidence like ever wavered. You know, I feel like we were, we felt like from, from the get go, you know, we were, you know, we were going to do something special that year. Yeah, you know, I remember having a conversation with, uh, you know, an old, you know, one of my teammates, an old friend, of, you know, before the season. I don't know why this sticks in my mind, but I remember him saying, like, you know, like we we just finished like working out at the at the at the field house that summer, and um, you know, we were just hanging out, waiting for our parents to pick us up or something. And he was like, he's like, Chris, we're gonna be we're gonna be really good next year. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. go we're gonna go do it. We're gonna go you know, like win this thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we are. You know, it's like one of those, it's one of those things. And you just, you know, I think coach Phillips and the rest of the staff did such a great job of believing in us and creating that. And we also, you know, we had that in us, you know, that belief as well. I think it's one of those things that we just like, you know, this is what we do, you know, like, uh, I know one of the stories that like, uh, Lamont Moore likes to tell, is uh our saturday condition and uh, it is i mean it's it's a little thing like this that just kind of sticks sticks with you and kind of drives it home like you know like at the our saturday conditioning we'd watch film then we'd go lift weights and then we'd go run sprints okay and so we started out like you know once the season started this you know that first week 16 sprints mm-hmm and then 15 sprints and then the, so on. So we get down into the playoffs and now all of a sudden we're not running as much. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, you know, you're recognizing, you're looking forward, you know, more and more like, man, we only got two sprints this week. That's awesome. We got like one that. this yeah. week, you know, and it was, um, it was, you know, it's one of those things like it, it hammers at home, the mm-hmm. reality of what you're doing. And it also like, you know, keeps you a reminder of what the work that it takes and what it's take taking you to get here as well. So I think, I think that's one of those things that just like, yeah, I mean, it's for me as a player, 
I don't know if it's like ever like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. You know, like I don't know. I can't I can't say a single moment, but there was definitely like just that that feeling, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't ever remember like a halftime where we went in, you know, just like feeling beat down or downtrodden. Sure. You know, even you know, no matter what we were feeling, you know, I feel or what the game situation was. You know, I, I just feel like, it, it, you know, we always had that confidence. Like, we were going to do this. We believed in ourselves. We, you know, coaches, we knew coaches believed in us. You know, so. And, and hey, for coaches listening, I love that the wind sprint deal. So that's something I, I bet you several listeners may steal that because that's really cool. I mean, I, I just, I've never heard of that. And I, I think that's, that's awesome. But, you know, one last thing just about your family and growing up that I found interesting. You, your brother is an accomplished musician. I saw you posting about that the other day on social media. And I just, I just think that's really cool, you know? Uh, so just, can you kind of describe what, cause I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. My brother and I can't really carry a tune, you know, or anything like that or play an instrument. So I'm curious about you, you know, what's that like having, having a brother, you know, achieving at that level in music? Oh man, it's really incredible. Uh, I, I remember in college, you know, I, cause he's up in the Dallas area. And uh, I remember, you know, when he was playing gigs, different bands, and you know at the time it was me and my wife or well she was my girlfriend at the time you know we were we would go listen to him or go with a group of friends and go hear him play and uh you know it's just it's really it's really just awesome to to see and 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 listen to him and it just like like back then you know he was playing more you know type of rock and stuff like that mm -hmm. And he's, but he's always been a jazz lover. And so he's, he's learned the bass and everything to, but, to, and, uh, he's just so devoted to his craft mm -hmm. and just, you know, like, you know, you hear about athletes and putting in the work and putting in the practice and Jonathan has put in the work for, yeah. for this and it, and that's what it takes really. I mean, he's, and it's, and it, he makes incredibly beautiful music, you know, I, if you listen to that version that he played of uh, uh, Fly Me to the Moon, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was listening, I was snapping my fingers, yeah, yeah. and then I got a little teary-eyed because it was just so pretty, it was so yeah. beautiful, you yeah. know, and it was my brother, and he's making this amazing music, you know, and so, yeah, it's really, it's really not, it's really awesome to, uh, to listen to him and appreciate that now. Yeah, no doubt. And I said on this show, you know, we're not really about the X's and O's so much. I mean, it's, it's just like learning these stories. We all have these unique stories. So of, of these coaches that I'm such a huge fan of and that I, I watch on the sidelines, it's cool to know some of this background. So, hey, kudos, you know, to your brother, Jonathan, there and, and uh, all the best, hopefully to continue on with the success uh, in his oh, career. And now as far as on to college, so, you, you know, you, 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 you hit the pinnacle as a high school senior, you won state and you, you made the comment when we were talking you know, before the show, you said you knew after the spring of your ninth grade year that, that you were not going to continue on playing college football and you decided to go to UT Austin. So can you guys just describe that kind of your decision-making process to go to UT? Um, I feel like I was born to go to UT. I yeah. was, I mean, I was, you know, I was uh, just a big time UT fan. As soon as we got our textbooks every year and we wrapped them, I was drawing the UT symbol and the Longhorn symbol. On oh it. my gosh. That's a blast from the past. Do kids still do that? No, I remember no. bringing getting like the Randall's, you know, paper bag and making yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, coach. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a that's a little time capsule for our younger listeners that have no idea what we're talking about right now. But 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> awesome. Oh yeah, no, yeah. So you just yeah. I mean, that's the only school, and this is also probably blow some kids' minds. It was the only school I applied to. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. care about anything. So like when it came to like SATs and taking those, and it was like list your top three schools that you want to send them to. I was like, I only want to send it to UT, and um, and so I was like, I got in. And I mentioned my the size of my class earlier. So fortunately for me, I was you know out of the 260, I was number 26. So I got in top 10 percent. Yeah. Boom, accomplished you know that goal of getting to the the university that I've wanted to my entire life. Yeah, no, and I mean, I I definitely I went to a small school. I went to Austin College, a Division three school, you know. But I, I definitely lean on the UT side of it in terms of the rivalry mm-hmm. down here. And I have many friends that are Aggies, and I think they consider me a rational fan. I'm not a jerk about it or anything. We're still friends, and we can talk. But I, I definitely I'm with you. I, I'm I'm a Longhorn <laughs> fan. If I remember correctly, you told me that you kind of took like a victory lap or two, that you had kind of an extended college stay. So you're obviously really loving your college <laughs> environment yeah, I, there in Austin. I enjoyed- that. Yes, definitely. I enjoyed my college experience a lot. Uh, probably a little too much early on. Um, you know, when, you know, once again, you're going from this small town to the University of Texas, and UT is twice as big as my school, as my small town. You know, so yeah. I mean, just just being exposed to so many things that I wasn't as and um, I wanted to take advantage of it all. Yeah. And I feel like I did. I don't regret any of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, I don't regret the experience. I do regret some of my mental approach to it, but I definitely, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I should have, I should have done, done a better job academically. But, uh, and because that kind of slowed my pace a little. But yeah. <laughs> and you, you, like, you, you're a lifelong fan of the Longhorns and so I mean, we we aren't old enough to have actually experienced the joy of the three national titles from 63 to 70 under coach Royal but obviously we you know we know of them so the bar is set super high so you know I, you, when you were in school I take it there was kind of I don't know if I want to call them lean years or down years but I guess relative to some of the success before it mm-hmm. was more up and down right um under coach uh McWilliams or coach McAvick so can you can you describe what, where, where were you where who was the coach when you were there? What years were you there? And kind of how was the team doing? Okay. Um, yeah. When I got there, we got, uh, we had coach Makovic. Okay. And, you know, he was doing okay at first, probably like seven, four, mm. six, mm. five, which honestly wasn't too much different than coach McWilliams. Right. Uh, before coach McWilliams had, you know, like a really good season in 89, 90, and uh, then after that, just kind of went back to six and, you know, five and six, six mm-hmm. and six. Makovic, you know, you know, brought a little life to it um, and, um, you know, started to just introduce, you know, a, a broader perspective of recruiting and stuff. And so, you know, when I got there, you know, it was do- he was doing all right. And then the next season is really kind of like when the team started to uh, take off a little because mm-hmm. he brought in uh, Ricky Williams, yeah. who is my all-time number one Longhorn. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, and he was complimented by Sean Mitchell um, at running back. And so, I mean, you know, Ricky was a freshman. Sean was, I think, a JUCO transfer. And uh, you know, they just opened up the offense. Couple that with another, you know, they had a 
uh, had some, a couple good quarterbacks. Um, it was at the time it was a Texas high school, you know, t- kind of top recruit guy, uh, Shamer ends. Mm. Um, he got injured and then James Brown started playing. That's what I remember. Yep. Yeah. And so Dan, once James Brown got in there, I mean, it kind of like really started moving. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, like seeing Mike Adams on campus and Lavelle Pinckney. I mean, these two big, you know, incredibly talented receivers. Um, and so, I mean, there's a lot of talent on the, during those years. You had Tony Brackens playing defense. Mm-hmm. Up. Um just, yeah, just, you know, really talented. And they did, I mean, they did all right, you know, like eight, it was eight win season, nine win season. And then like the, the pinnacle was actually like, because they were battling like the Southwest conference falling apart mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then the first year of the big 12, you know, they, uh, you know, they kind of put it all together and ended up winning the, the, the big 12 championship that year. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, and that was awesome. You know, with the whole, the, the whole campus was, was pumped up, you know, and, uh, going to games and, um, you know, but then after that, you know, there was just a, there was one like a really terrible season, you know, like right. super terrible. Yeah. And year we, uh, and, you know, it's kind of a sign of the, of the coming times, you know, where, you became so, or teams becoming so dependent on like one quarterback. Well, James Brown graduated. And so now, you know, we're kind of whoever we had in, in the, um, in the bullpen, mm-hmm. now whoever was the next guy up, he just wasn't that guy. Right. You know? And they struggled and you, and we struggled. And we, I think we won like three games that season. Right. Lost to UCLA like 66 three. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was but I'll tell you what, one of my favorite UT memories, game memories from that season, from, from my time there, um, was when Notre Dame came to town. Wow. And, um, and oh, my goodness, what an, what an incredible experience. Um, just the, the stadium was packed. The student section, we were on the Notre Dame sideline. And um, I was probably about 30 rows up. Um, and there's a play that it's uh bryant westbrook was our uh, was our corner and yeah. he would knock the crap out of you i mean mm-hmm. he he was you know he was a hard hitter and back then um you know it was lou holtz running the option oh yeah yeah i think ron paulus was quarterback wow. and they run the option to westbrook's side and westbrook comes up and just lights up the running back. I mean, just totally knocks him out. Fumble, you know, the, I had timed it out. It was the same time as the pitch was getting there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, UT recovered the fumble. But that was the loudest stadium eruption I think I've ever been part of. <laughs> well, you know, I got a story for you. And you, you're talking about stadium eruptions. I, I kind of got to see something kind of cool of silencing a stadium. I told you that many of my many of my, I don't know if you feel the same way about this that I do, but I have a lot of friends that are Aggies just shook out that way. And I think that they're just the salt of the earth. Great people. I I, re- I love them. I, I can't, I can't root for the team, but I, I love them as people. So one year, my friends invited me out to college station to join them for the UT game. Okay. And uh, you'll probably remember this game, but I, I did the whole experience. I went to midnight yell. 
the night before, I remember Jackson Appel was kind of their, their star free safety. And he was kind of leading them and getting them riled up and saying, you know, they're going to, they're going to whoop UT's butt and send them back to Austin and all that kind of stuff the night before. And it was just a beautiful afternoon, but that was the day that the pride of Midland Lee and, you know, rest in peace, you know, Cedric Benson mm. just went to town on him. And I mean, I, for, for me, I was being respectful. I wasn't going to be the loud, super cheering UT fan, but I just kind of sat there with a big little smile on my face the entire game. But Cedric Benson went off that game. You probably remember that game, but that was kind of cool just because the Aggies are great fan base. I mean, Kyle Field is rocking. It's loud. And so he was able to quiet it. And it, that, that's kind of cool too, but uh, just, you know, great stories there. So, you, you know, you kind of saw like it, some good teams while you were there, but not, not at the level you're expecting, but then Mac Brown comes in, yeah. things start changing. And you as a fan probably got to witness maybe singularly the greatest college football game of all time there in the Rose bowl, you know, to beat the USC, which at the time was considered the unbeatable team. Can you just describe your memory? And of course, led by a native Houstonian Vince young, you know, I know, I know Ricky's your guy, but I'm sure Vince is up there too. Oh yeah. What, can you just describe your memories from that moment of, of getting to witness a championship? Oh my goodness. Uh, it was just, it was incredible. It kind of, and honestly, it kind of like, you know, having Vince Young, you know, especially the, those, you know, the, those two seasons that he was, his last two seasons where he's the full-time guy. Um, it was like playing, you know, with money in the pocket, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you just, it's kind of like what I described with my high school team. I always felt like, okay, UT's just going to win. We've got, right. yeah. we've, got yeah. you know, we've got all this. We're going to win, you know, and just watching that, watching the way that game unfolded. And I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, just back and forth all game. Yeah. And when, when Reggie Bush did that little like option flip that he did mm. and we recovered it, I was like, USC is not, USC is not in this game. They're, they weren't, they were not mentally ready for this game, even though that they were hammering and doing things, not everybody was there. Cause you gotta have, you gotta have the entire, you know, like the guys that you depend on all there. And if Reggie Bush wasn't all there, that's, that's a big loss, you know, yeah. and, and, but UT, you could tell everybody was there. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was, you know, all together going after this, like Mac, you know, Mac Brown's big thing back then, one heartbeat. And that's really what they were. They were all just working together and just never, never relented. And just, you just knew, I mean, Vince Young was going to, you know, after that fourth down uh, stop that Vince Young was going to march him down the field and uh, you know, something magical was about to happen. <laughs> So that, you know, that's a great moment, but, you know, obviously more recent history, we're going to kind of close the UT section of the show. I mean, it's been, it's been some hard times in some of the, some of the the preceding seasons, Uh, you know, a loss to Kansas, you know, at home last season, I'm sure was, you know, a huge dagger in the heart, you know, for all UT fans across the country. But I do want to ask you this, you're an old line guy, but you've seen many great quarterbacks. Are you buying into the arch mania? Cause I mean, that's the biggest news now in the, in the recruiting, you know, arch manning, obviously uh, he's, Cooper's son so you know the nephew of Peyton and Eli but are you are you getting fired up for arch mania that's kind of just uh, sweeping across Austin or are you just kind of one hey I just want to I want to I'll believe it when I see it or what's what's kind of your your thought process there no I hear you and being you know being separate from Austin you know not mm-hmm. not living there or being I think that if I was there and getting hammered with it more frequently you know, <laughs> I'd probably feel a little bit differently I think uh, but to me, it reminds me 
of Chris Sims and Major Applewhite mm. because we've got we you know on campus right now you know we've got the uh, Quinn Ewers who's yep. supposed to be you know that guy too yeah uh, and he's going to have this next year That's to right. yeah. you know, to show what he can do and um, you know so so Arch Manning coming in reminds me of that time it's one of those things that like okay I know him. And, and honestly, I probably know about as much about Arch Manning as I did Chris Sims back in the early 2000s. So mm -hmm. I know he's a top quarterback. I know he's got good genes. Um, you know, but, you know, I guess we'll just have to see how he fits. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I think, to me, uh, the most exciting thing is it's been a long time since UT has gotten a recruit like that. Right. You know, it, it might have been since Vince Young, uh, since we've gotten – this you know this sure, high level sure. recruit and it's all you can see its impact in across the rest of the class and i know a lot of people like to say like well you don't recruit stars but it sure is nice to have a whole lot of like what what everybody considers highly uh talented and really good football players saying that they're going to come to texas <laughs> absolutely yeah that surely cannot hurt now i asked this question to all of my guests and i i think that the stats have been kind of surprising I always ask them, like, when you stepped foot on college, did you enter college, like, knowing you were going to be a coach? Is that what you were preparing for? And only 33% of my guests, only a third of these guests that I have across the state, the nation, you know, like Kevin Swift from Oregon. I mean, I've got a, a great, you know, team player family here. Only mm -hmm. a third of them knew starting in college. So I, I always say, hey, that what that tells me is it's never too late to start coaching. You know, I mean, you, you can do it. Don't feel like you've, you've missed, you're behind, you know, you're, you're too far behind. You can't catch up. So I'm, I'm curious with you, did you know when you stepped foot on campus that you were going to become a coach? Um, I'm going to fit in the 66% that yeah. know. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll pay my didn't... stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one now of we're at 68%. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, when I stepped on campus, I thought, you know, I was going to be, uh, an eye doctor my grandfather okay. highly, highly influential i did not know that okay yeah um i thought i was going to follow in his footsteps and then you know you mentioned my uh victory laps on <laughs> campus well <laughs> yeah that did set that did make me have to reevaluate and uh think about it now one thing though i will say is that you know looking back i kind of always felt like i would you know like Part of me was drawn to working with kids and being involved, you know, like with high school kids and stuff in some way. And I, at the time, I thought like, well, you know, you know, be a Sunday school teacher or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and then so I spent, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to reevaluate and look into getting my teaching certificate and doing all that. So I, I looked into that on campus. And then that summer, one summer, I went home, and um, that's when I started talking with Coach Brooks. You know, uh, mm -hmm. he was our he was our um, current head coach at the time. After uh, you know, Coach Phillips had left, and he took over, and so I'd go visit with him, and you know, talk to him about what it was like and everything. And so that's what started his mentorship for me. And uh, just and so the more we talked about it, the more I was like this does sound like really what I want to do. And so from that point, I started pursuing coaching. 
Oh, I love it. I mean, this is, these are the stories that I love to hear. And I, I, I've known you for a long time. I didn't, I, I don't think I knew about the eye doctor deal. Oh. That, that's really cool, you know, for me to hear that, you know, for the first time. And so you start at Fort Settlement Middle School. So a place, obviously, I mean, I, I'm from Fort Bend. I definitely know it well. And you had a great little group there. I, when I was coaching at Clemens, I used to go play basketball with those guys, like Coach Clemens and Coach Sullivan. And it was just a fun, a really, uh, Coach Kurth. Trip Kurth is another name from the past that I haven't seen in a long time, but they'd always play basketball after school or, you know, on the weekend. I, I forget. I think it's maybe more after school and I'd, I'd drive over there and play with them. So just a great group of guys. So what was your experience like at Fort Settlement there for three years? Uh, a, but also I want to know, how did you even, how did you come back to Houston being, because you know, what, what's the connection of Houston that brought you back here? Well, that's a story too. So yeah. uh, we, we got to Houston because, um, you know, we were, uh, I was finishing up my degree. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I, I was married. Okay. I got married in 98 okay. I was, and I finished my degree or finishing my degree. And so while we were doing that, my wife and I, uh, we were living in LaGrange. Okay. And she's a physician assistant. She was working, uh, for the local hospital or the local clinic connected to the LaGrange hospital. And so the hospital, uh, at some point, I can't remember when, but the hospital basically like went bankrupt. And, um, you know, the, the doctor she was working for, you know, was trying to, you know, like quell her fears because yeah. we were also pregnant at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is like all within the first year oh of our God. marriage. <laughs> uh, first year of our marriage, we were living yeah. in this little town, which is really nice. I loved living yeah. in LaGrange. My, one of my old he, uh, high school coaches was the head coach at LaGrange at the time. So I was yeah. talking with him. I felt like things were lining up like, oh my goodness, I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. there's a good chance I could start my career here. And um, no, because the, the hospital, we just like, we just didn't feel comfortable with uh, the insurance and the, uh, the salary that, that we were, uh, you know, facing at the sure. time. And so my wife started, you know, branching out and looking for jobs. And um, at the time, mid-level, you know, providers, you know, they weren't really like heavily introduced into the Texas medical system. Mm -hmm. And so she struggled, like, look, first we looked to stay in Austin area because we, you know, we didn't want to, we really didn't see ourselves leaving that area. Right. And then, um, and then really the only bite that she got, you know, she was like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to uh, MD Anderson. I'm going to go uh, apply to MD Anderson, see what happens. And so she applied at MD Anderson and uh, got the job and we we're like, okay. I guess we're moving to Houston and yeah. we had one of those, it's kind of like, you know, going into college thinking, you know, about, you know, did we ever think we were going to live in Houston? Right. Neither of us ever thought we were ever going to, because we grew up in the Dallas area, went to UT. So basically it was like Dallas or Austin for us, like our entire life. We never thought and, about living and, anywhere else. And I've known your wife, Toby, for a long time. I don't think I knew this. Is, is she a high school sweetheart or did you guys meet it? Okay. Yeah, we met at UT. Met at UT, uh, but she's also Arlington. from the Dallas area. You said. Yeah, she went to Arlington Martin. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she, we met at UT, and then, um, like I said, yeah, so she got that job, and we ended up moving out here. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I once I once I was once we got out of here and established, and I was like, okay, I got to start looking for jobs, and we just you know we just happened to have we, our first apartment was in Stafford. 
Yeah. So um, I was started searching all the local school districts every everywhere I could drive. And you know, there were there wasn't I mean there was email back then, but nobody emailed um resumes. You know, you you were still hand delivering them to mm -hmm you know, the uh, administration offices. So I was driving all over, you know, Fort Bend, Stafford, Lamar Consolidated, A-Leaf, mm -hmm. you know, basically everywhere that I thought was a reasonable commute. Um, and um, yeah, I ended up getting my first job at Fort Settlement. And actually that was the first year Fort Settlement was open. So we, uh, I helped open Fort Settlement. Wow. Very, and, and what was your, what, what was your memories, you know, from that place? I know you had a great staff that I mentioned, but like also starting some, a new, you got, you got to do it. You got to be a part of it. Ridgepoint was still fairly new, yeah. but here you, you were right there on day one. So what, what was that like? So, I mean, you know, I was a first year teacher and yeah, and starting a new school. And, but to me, it was like, you know, being able to be part, like you said, I was part of like the opening of Ridgepoint, even mm -hmm. though I wasn't there on year one. Sure. Year two was still, you know, there was still a lot of things going on yeah, you know, yeah. things in place. So for opening a middle school is, you know, you're still establishing a lot of like your routines and stuff and, or, and what, what the school does and how it operates. But it's totally, it, it's, there's a lot of differences though, because they go ahead and fill the middle school. So like every position was filled. I mean, the school was filled sixth through eighth grade. You know, we had a full staff. You know, we had a great, um, we had a great administration staff, administrative staff with uh, our principal, Vicki Johnston, who's, hmm. you know, I've, you know, one of the top, if not the top people I've worked for, you know, I mean, she is up there. Yeah, She's okay. fantastic. And then her assistant principal was Lee Cruz, who's okay. also the top people I worked for. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, they, they made it fantastic. You know, they brought us all together. And like I said, we had a great staff. Um, you know, Marty Bratrude was there with yeah, us. Okay. Um, and uh, then uh, the, uh, who else? Frank Middleton. He was an old time, uh, long time Fort Bend guy. And uh, he came over, I think from First Colony. Um, and he brought his, his, you know, like main guy. He was like, you gotta come with me, Nelson Fujiwara. Okay. And, they became, and uh, I taught health. And then uh, second year, I taught health and also taught PE. So we were all together, you know, between you know PE and all that, and then huh. coaching. So well, Nelson cool. Fujiwara. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming he's, he's Japanese descent. Like I'm, I'm also half Japanese. So I, I would love to meet him. I don't think I ever met Coach Fujiwara. I wasn't aware, but so probably by the time you came around, he had uh, he left Fort Settlement. Okay. Now he's at um, Pin Oak in HISD. Oh, very cool. Well, he's, he, he really likes the middle school setting, yeah. you know, high setting. So he, he does Pinnock and he's a, and they have baseball and they, oh, wow. so he gets to coach, and he's a really, he's a really big baseball guy. So he gets to coach. Baseball. I'm going to, I'll try to, I'll try to connect with him and just say that I, I, I never knew of him. I wish I could have met him when I was kind of when we we're both down there in Fort Bend, but that, that's great. I, I thought, you know, it's kind of a small group of, of Japanese oh, coaches, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, through your help, uh, Masaki Matsumoto is, is has come on. You know, is going to be a team player alum oh, as well. So I'm, I'm always looking to network and, and meet other Japanese coaches. So, but yeah, so you know, you're you're at Fort Settlement, and you know, I, I know that early on it's it's hard to get for the wins. I, I think you'd shown a picture of a game ball from the first ever win, and it, it may have been one of the few few wins at, at the time. Correct or 
Well, actually, uh, we were that that seventh grade. We were blessed, you know. Um, we came in. We had a, you know, the the classes that kind of were that ended up paving the way for that Clemens playoff run. Yeah, came from Ford Settlement. Um, right. Okay. That that was gonna be my second question. Was I I, I thought I, I thought that you had had kind of like a rough first year, but then I knew the help was coming with that group that helped lead us to thirteen and one. So I was gonna ask you how it timed out if you, if you did if you were coaching those guys at Fort Settlement as well. And it sounds like you did. I did. So like the, my first year there, though, that 13 and one team, yeah. they were in sixth grade. Right. So yep. the, the kids that I started out teaching um, were the year before. So Elliot Coffey. Yeah. Um, Cedric Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, who else? A um, bunch of other guys. And then, but um yeah, and then, but they it was different because Fort Settlement is back there in in uh, Avalon, and so there's a strong Elkins connection for a lot of the families. Yeah. So a lot of that first year talent that we had ended up going splitting and going to Elkins. So like right. some of the some of like our quarterback uh, Turner Dawson went to Elkins. Uh, one of our best offensive linemen, Tyler McCutcheon, he went to Elkins. Mm -hmm. You know, just based on that. But I mean. You know, Elliot, you know, tremendous athlete. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, helps a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, Cedric as well. Ced yeah. Cedric was, you know, very athletic, good defensive lineman for us. But yeah, so they kind of, they went up there and uh, kind of paid and, and, you know, with, they were, they were the team that helped set the plate for that 13 and one team. Yeah. And then, so like coaching them as, as middle schoolers in seventh grade, that was my second year coaching. I mean, they got, I mean, it was incredible. The football knowledge on that team and just yeah. the, athletic, the athletic knowledge was, was just high level for kids, you know, 13, 12 and 13 years old. You know, Kyle Hope was our quarterback. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that, uh, you know, that, that were key contributors on that Clements team, you know, Kevin Adams, you know, Dylan Thorwaldson. Yep. You know, those guys, you know, they were, they were running backs and receivers for us, you know, DBs uh, just, and then what was, uh, you know, we had Jack Fernandez playing. He, he had just like moved to us from Argentina or something. Yeah. I think it's Argentina. So he moved in and, you know, we were like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a, what a great find. Yeah. So he yeah. was our, he was on the offensive line, and then Reed yeah. Curry was a first colony kid. Who Reed, Reed was a first colony kid? Yes. Ah, okay. In fact, a lot of like a lot of most of the offensive line, except for Jack, I think I want to say came from first colony. That's pretty so, cool how that worked out. Yeah, it's like they had the size, we had the skill, and it just meshed, and they all knew each other. You know. So. Yeah. What was that? What was that game like when you played first colony? Because I know that's a huge rivalry game. Like, well, how did that go? <laughs> So, um, it was good. I remember, I don't, we, we played, we actually made a helmet called the Falcat helmet. And so awesome. you know, we took one of our, one of our standard, you know, middle school issued white helmets yeah. and we had it painted, uh, crimson on one side and, uh, blue on the other, Yeah, put the decal on each side for Andu. And so, because, especially because like I said, like coach Middleton, Coach Fuji and Coach Bratrude, they all came to us from Fort First Colony. They still had friends over there at First Colony. 
So, I mean, it was, a, it was a good kind of back and forth between those guys. And then, and so we made that into a travel trophy for the teams. That's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and we're about to move on to, you know, you, you go to Clements and you're there for seven years. And Coach Sniffin in his episode, if you want to go back to episode 14, the Brett Sniffin episode, when he was talking about that special class that came through Clements and led us, you know, that 13-1 season, he meant the one thing that he pointed out that was, I noticed it. And I don't know if listeners noticed it, but he pointed that they were very, they're able to talk to adults. Yeah. That, that was what he said. Like they're very good at like speaking with adults mm-hmm. and you, I, I totally agree. And I remember that about those kids. They were like extremely mature. I remember I was a first year, uh, basically a first year teacher and coach, you know, 22, 23 years old. And I, I had Dylan Thorwaldson in my class amongst some others. And they, I, I almost felt like he's, man, this guy's like older than me or more mature than me. They're just, they were just so calm and confident, but you know, they, they could just really speak, you know, sometimes kids are a little more shy or, or, or shy or just not necessarily. Um, I don't know how to, describe, I don't know. I think you probably get what I'm saying, but just yeah. Dylan, you could just tell like this guy really is a very intelligent kid. And it, that's what coach talked about. It translated on the football field. You know, him and Hope could read, like you said, they could read cover two, like nobody's business and they, they knew where they're supposed to be. And so, did you kind of feel that same way about that group that they just had a certain air about them of just of maturity and confidence? Definitely. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, same, almost the exact same experience. I mean, just very confident, very, very easy going. Yes. They were, yes. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. They were, uh, they were always comfortable in every situation, you know, whether it was in the class, you know, or out there in the field house or on the football field, they're very comfortable um, doing, you know, you know, and talking about whatever we ask them to do, you know, and uh, I think, you know, a lot of it had to do with their personalities and their parents, because, you know, getting to know their families and stuff was, you know, they're, they're very down, a lot of them down to earth people. Um, and then, you know, they just carried over, you know, it was, it was something that they enjoyed doing and that built up their confidence because they were able to do it well you know, they, they experienced a lot of success, not just at the football team, but like baseball and all that stuff just kind of carried over into, you know, success into the football field and their, their confidence in their abilities. No doubt. And I mean, you know, for me, my, my background was I went to Austin college. I, I knew I wanted to coach. And so after I finished my, I graduated my bachelor's there, I stayed to get a master's. So I was actually a GA for the Austin college football team in my, you know, my fifth year at Austin college. And then in the spring, we could either student teach or try to get a job. And I got a full-time job in January at Clear Brook High School. That's actually where I started. I, I was a teacher there. I wasn't coaching. I was just teaching. And that's a good thing because my hands were completely full. I hated it, Chris. I yeah. got to, I don't know if I ever told you, shared this background with you, but I hated teaching at Clear Brook. And that's not a knock on Clear Brook or the kids. I think it's more about me. But I mean, it's, it's, it's hard when you take over a classroom in January for a teacher that's bit left for obvious reasons that there were problems and so the kids are used to already not doing anything I think the teacher been gone for a while so they were with subs for a long period of time then I come in trying to like write the ship in January I'm 22 23 years old I forget or whatever at the time so it was it was not easy I was commuting 45 minutes from Sugarland where my you know I was staying in my family uh to you know to clear brook and so I was like seriously considering getting out at that time and just saying hey I just gotta do something different and my mom told me Jimmy whatever you do, do it for three years. And Chris, that's the best advice I ever got, man. And I, I was like, I saw, I was keeping track of what was going on in Clements and I'm, I'm from Fort Bend, you know? So when, when I was in school, Clements was the bottom 
along with us at Austin. We we're both, we, we played in the toilet bowl my senior year, which we won in over in a triple overtime, but to see Clements, like all of a sudden look at these box scores. And I was like, man, this new coach Hume guy, he's really, he's turning it around. I know nothing really about other than what I'm seeing in box scores. Mm-hmm. And um, I always remember seeing the name Alex Watcha is what I, you know, I know it's pronounced yeah. differently, but I'd see the box score. I'm like, who's this Watcha kid? You know, I know Waka, I guess is the correct pronunciation. But I was like, wow, he's a really good player. Clemens is starting to win. And I saw that Kevin Moran was the principal and Kevin Moran was an assistant principal at Austin when I was a student. So one day I know I'm frustrated at Clearbrook getting towards the end of the year. And I'm like, let me just, you know, my mom says I should keep doing this. I think she's right. Let me, let me t- send a flyer and email out to, out to Kevin Moran at Fort Ben Clemens. It was crazy. He, within 10 minutes, he answered, he wrote back, like he wrote back almost instantly and said, Hey, absolutely. I remember you let's, let's, let's set up an interview. And so that's how the whole thing started. One other quick story. I don't know if you, you may have been in the field house for this, but the year before my good friend, coach Ruthard and I, we knew we wanted to come back to the Houston area. And so we actually like, we, we, uh, we made a trip down here during our spring break because we're living in Sherman and we went around to all the various coaches and walked into the office of a, a shirt and tie on and handed our resumes. Just like you said, it was like the old school, like, you know, going in person. And I, I, we went to coach you and we went to coach Creech at Dulles. Like we, we made the stops and just said, Hey, we're young coaches. You know, we are interested in the program. And so I already knew I liked coach Hume just from my interaction there. So whenever things started rolling and I got the job, man, everything changed. I went from just hating life to love. I mean, I just fell in love with coaching at Clements and teaching at Clements. I was in a tea shack, you know, so I kind of had my own space out there. Uh, Brett Sniffin was my next door neighbor. Ralph Farley was across the hall, you know? And so we had, we had a nice little setup and I, I just like everything you described, I loved it as well, but any other thoughts on, on your experience at Clements and, and just, cause I think we're feeling the same thing. Great staff, great kids, just what, what other, what other memories do you have from, from your time at Clements? Oh yeah. So, I mean, Clements was a fantastic experience. Like you said, being that I was there seven years, I was really 10 years within that community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I left that, it, it was tough. And I remember, you know, like the last, when I told my kids that I was leaving, you know, to go to Rich Point, I cried yeah. every single class period, you know, yeah. because yeah. it was, it was, it was special. It, it was really it was a special community. Um, you know, and you can, it's, I don't know what it is about it. It's, it's everything that we've talked about so far, just yeah. kind of just, it, it makes you, you know, you feel good working there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I totally get it. You know, why people stay, you know, have stayed there for as long as they have, you know, because it is such a good place. Yeah. And you mentioned coach Hume, uh, coach Hume was, yeah, he was just so high energy. Yeah. Um, loved working for him. Yeah. And, and so when I, you know, one of the things, one of my favorite memories with Coach Hume is I was a young coach. I was a freshman coach. I was first year on campus. And I'm sitting there thinking about like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, we're, we won some games. I feel like, you know, you know you're back then, you know, you, you know, you're a young coach. You feel like, hey, I, I can call a good good game. And so, yeah. you, know, um, you know, they, you know, we go through our coaches meetings. They give us the playbook and we're going through it. And I'm coaching freshman B team and I'm sitting there thinking, well, the B team, we got to do everything we can to win, you know, mm-hmm. anything we can. So I'm sitting there going boom, boom. And in the middle of the playbook, you know, one of those old mimeographed playbooks. Yep. I remember <laughs> it. I remember it. Yeah. Yes. There is the triple option. I was like, triple option. Boom. I'm, you know, yep. we ran the option in high school. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's, let's put this in with our team. So we did. 
and we'd run it, you know, and, uh, and we, I mean, it helped, I mean, we were doing well with it, but anyway, so I go in and it wasn't the only play that we ran, but apparently we ran it enough. Mm. So I go into coach Hume and I'm like, Hey coach Hume, just, uh, you know, just want to visit and just see what you think. You know, it's like mid season, like yeah. you know, I'm doing what, what every, like, like, you know, like whatever, all the coaches say you're supposed to do, like, you know, yeah, like yeah. go, you know, get some feedback, see how yeah, you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I asked coach, you know, I was like, what do you, what do you think? You know, how, how am I doing? Is there something I can, can improve on? And he's like, well, Chris, uh, no, you're doing, you know, you do a really good job, with these kids and everything. He goes, but, and this is where I was like, okay, I'm ready for it, but you got to stop running that option. It's just not what we do. Yeah. You don't, you know, when yeah. you're running it so much, I don't know if you understand what we're trying to do offensively in this program. And yeah. I was like sitting there and I was like, all of a sudden, like, oh, because it just turned so fast on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will never run it again. And I have never run it again. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so it's just one of those things that, like, he was, he was, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't, like, blasting me. He was yeah. just, like, you know, just, just the, just came out, and he was, like, wanted to get his point across, and he definitely got his point across, and, you know, I was, like, okay, yes, sir, you know, and we went on, we had, we had some good, uh, started running lead and pitch a whole lot more, and, yeah, <laughs> and you know went in some more games so it was good but yeah it was a good learning experience and kind of like also just kind of like a like a, a you know one of those one of those things that like you know put you in your place remind you like sure. oh hey i you know i need to take a step back and i need to i need to think about what's best for the program or what the, what what these kids what my freshman kids really need to do right by the time they're on varsity and so oh, man. I love hearing that story. And that that's classic coach Hume. And I mean, he was, oh, he was yeah. a big guy. I mean, he's probably six foot four, you know, was a, I know oh, I played at Texas tech was a deep snapper at yeah. tech and you know, he, but he was a gregarious fun loving kind of guy too. Like I'll, I'll never forget this. Like there was this big Hill for, I don't know what it really, how it got there or what, but there's this giant mound uh, right outside the field house heading out to the, to the, where now is the game field. And, uh, they used to do a king of the hill like wrestling tournament where coach coach hume was the king of the hill he'd stand on it and players would would you know surface up to you know run up the hill and try to bring them down and nobody could do it except for kyle hoke yeah. <laughs> kyle hoke was the one that finally toppled the king and brought him crashing down to earth and so you know he had that fun side of coach you know um mm -hmm. but at the same time he could he could become extremely intimidating and not that like you said never he never did it in a malicious way or anything he's always no. a nice guy but just he had that ability to flip the switch. And I always remember when we beat Westbrook in the rain, uh, I actually was scouting another game, I believe, and then came afterwards or something, you know, it, mm -hmm. well, maybe not. No, I think I was there on the sideline, but it was just the coldest, rainiest game ever. You know, we're playing at Galena Park ISC Stadium. And mm -hmm. there was this lucky bench that, that the varsity coaches had just kind of, I don't know, just a, a special lucky bench that we brought from the field house and they would sit on it before in pregame. And so we, we had to bring that to every game and it, it was working, right? We're, you know, we're, we're advancing to the playoffs and, I forget that we had some, you know, freshman ball boys and they were kind of taking a long time getting, getting everything put away and having trouble moving the bench and stuff. And, you know, coach Hume is ready to go. We've been in the cold and rain all day long. Seriously, we needed to go. Mm -hmm. And I just remember him getting angry. Like, What's taking so long. 
flying out of the bus, grabbing that bench and throwing it over the fence. Like, <laughs> it's like, and yeah. that was not easy to do. He had this like superhuman strength, but that, that's just uh, some great, you know, memories of coach Hume and, and, uh, you know, a couple coach Snippen talked about how he wrote him a handwritten letter when he got the job at Ridgepoint. I remember when he left, he gave me a book, you know, and just, just little things like that. Coach Hume was able to make those, those gestures, um, which are important. You know, they may seem like small things, but they're, you know, they're actually, you know, really big things there. So, you know, last little thing I want to just reminiscing on Clements, you know, you know, you, you were a play caller. I, I was a freshman B play caller as well. Um, the way that it was set up, you know, the varsity coaches would come to our games and they mm-hmm. make, they were free to just kind of roam and stand around and watch us. And I always kind of felt like, Oh my God, I'm, I have the pressure of like, these coaches <laughs> are watching my play calling and probably making fun of me, you know, and laughing at, I'll never forget. This is a coach sniffing story in case he's listening. Forgot to do this on his episode, but we're playing Travis and they kept running like a, just double inside backer blitz. Mm-hmm. And I like, like, like we were taught to do I me, mean, I, I ran a lot of lead and 36 G and then we ran some, but Anyway, we, I just was really insistent that game. I wanted to, I, I loved running an ISO, a lead, you know, if I, my play, I believed in our own line and our fullback. And so I, I ran and ran and they kept stuffing and stuffing it. And I remember Coach Stephen just walked over and goes, just run pitch. And, you know, because, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, it's so simple. But as a, you know, first year coach, I was just banging, you know, trying to make a, a round peg into a square hole. But hey, we ran pitch, got outside of all that and had some big gains. But anyway, just, just some fun memories on the way that the staff was set up. And, but eventually you make the decision to come to Ridgepoint as you already mm-hmm. talked about, that was a hard decision. I can completely relate leaving the kids at Clements, but what was it, what was it about the opportunity at Ridgepoint that, that allowed you to, to take the chance to come to Ridgepoint? Mm-hmm. So um, a few years before that, my wife and I, we sold our house and we moved to Siena mm-hmm. um, where Ridgepoint's located. And we only have one child. Okay. And so um you know, having a, being a one you know, parent of an only child and we're the only family down here too. I mean, we're all, the rest of our family's up in Dallas. So, yeah. I mean, his friends are everything. To him. And yeah. so we didn't want, you know, like when it came to like him going to high school, we didn't want, we didn't want to take him away from his friends just for him to be where I was coaching and teaching. Sure. And so I knew that eventually, you know, I was going to, leave Clemens at some point to try you know to be where to be where he you know was going to school because I wanted to I wanted that experience I wanted to you know be there on campus with him and so yeah so uh so one day I'll never forget this either so one day I'm, I'm sitting at home coach Sniffin actually lived around the corner from me wow and yeah. it was, um he knocks on the door and I hear this knock on the door. I go answer it. And there he is at the door and he goes, are you Christopher Todd Fisher? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he was like, you know me. You know, yeah, that's my name. He goes, <laughs> he goes, are you Christopher Todd Fisher certified in composite social studies? Uh, and actually, yeah, good. Cause I originally, when I got my certificate, I was certified and my top two subjects, you know, biology and PE. And so I added social studies. I, I might've added it when I was like my last year at Fort Settlement, you know, like like five, six years prior. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things like I added just to, you know, when I started, you know, looking for, you know, moving up the coaching ladder on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Smart. Yep. 
And so that's what opened the door for me. He goes, I have a, I have a social studies position, but are you also willing to coach soccer? <laughs> <laughs> and what was funny is, you know, growing up, I mean, I, I wasn't a baseball kid and um, I've tried to be a basketball kid, you know, but that didn't pan out, but I did play soccer from like kindergarten through my freshman year in high school. Mm, okay. And uh, just on local, you know, teams and stuff. I mean, you know, didn't do, do club or whatever back like that back then, but I just played soccer, you know? And so, um, so I was like, yeah, I'll play, I'll, I'll coach soccer, you know? And um, so that's a, opened the door for me and you know, I went to the transfer fair and, and then got, you know, was able to get hired on and come over to Ridgepoint so that I could, you know, teach and coach in my community, which also, that was another important thing to me because, you know, that's, you know, Ridgepoint always reminded me or always has reminded me of Waxahachie because mm -hmm. even though we are part of one of the biggest districts in, in Texas, we're still, I feel like Rich Point's isolated from a lot of other things, or at least back then they were. Now, I mean, the district's expanding so much. Sienna's growing mm -hmm. so much. It's, you know, um, but, but it's, um, but back then, especially it was, it was a small experience. It was a community. The community was so, or, or, and still is really so into us, you know, yeah. and very supportive. And so I was, you know, I, I, that's what brought me over to it. And I was, you know, very excited, you know, especially having friends that were already there, you know, with coach Sniffin and you, mm -hmm. I knew coach Darnell was going to go, you know, and then, um, you know, some other Clemens folk as well. So. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's really, it says a lot when we think about yourself, uh, coach Sniffin lived in Siena when he was the coach there, coach LaFavors lives in Siena. And he's the current head coach at Ridgepoint. I mean, do you think there's something to that, you know, where a lot of these coaches are choosing to live in, in this community? I mean, you, you, you kind of talked about the community feel, but that, that's, that's putting your money where your mouth is when you decide to settle in the community. I mean, it really is something special. So can you kind of speak to that a little bit about actually being a resident while all of this great stuff is happening at Ridgepoint High School? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it, I mean, I think it, you know, living in the community is something that, you know, especially as a head coach, I think it's very important because, you know, it, it shows your commitment to them, you know, because you're coaching their kids and they, yeah. you know, if you want the parents to trust you, then you need to show that you trust them as well and that you're willing to be part of their lives, you know, and part of what's going on. You know, and, and you don't, I mean, it's not necessarily that you have to like be all involved and everything, go to every event or everything, but you live there, you, you know, you're, you know, end up coaching, working with, you know, your neighbor's children, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a level of commitment and trust that I think is important for all, you know, at the school, at the high school level, especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that's like, I don't know, just get, it's just supposed to happen, you know, yeah. like, you, yeah. you know, like high school, like you hear like, uh, you know, guys that'll move to other, other parts of the state that are, you know, a little more isolated, not as, uh, mm -hmm. not as uh, sprawled out like the Houston area. And they're in their interview, the, the ADs or the whoever, you know, the soup will be like, okay, are, are you willing to live in this community? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, not 
30 minutes away or something, not in the next bigger town. You know, I, I, I would bet that if they say no to that, then yeah. they're probably not going to get hired. So yeah, it's something, you know, you, yeah. you want, I think you want to live there because it gives you extra insight and extra trust and ex, an extra connection to the community. Absolutely. You know, and one thing I want to backtrack one step is I, I want to talk about this with you in the Clement section. I missed it. And it's bad hosting on my part, but I just <laughs> want to throw out the name Jason Parsons. I have so many, and I see you just, we don't do video here. It's all audio, but coach Fisher just threw his head back in laughter. That's some of my best memories at Clements was just, you were someone like myself that always got really tickled and just thought coach Parsons was hilarious. I just remember you and I just dying laughing. He was a master impersonator. Oh yeah. He he really could impersonate everyone, be it coaches, players, students, uh, the maintenance man that would come in and fix stuff. The summer, you know, our, our athletic trainer, uh, Doc Stray. I mean, Coach Parsons could do it all. I mean, I honestly think he had a potential to do something in, in showbiz or, or stand-up <laughs> comedy if he wanted to. But um, just just, just the, any memories on that. And I just think other little things on Clemens. I remember, like, we didn't use whistles at first. That's something that Coach Campbell talked about. Like, that's something kind of unique to us. Like, we didn't coach with whistles. And there's all kind of, like, little unique things about Clemens that make it so special. And then, of course, I don't know if you can remember the story of of coach uh coach parsons attire the first day that he came out to coach oh, yeah definitely do you want so, to tell this story because i want to hear it <laughs> so that's <laughs> it's so that's something i actually still coach talk to coach parsons every year at that's least awesome. once a year every year uh yeah. he's my birthday twin that's so, all i love it i love it yeah, awesome. so we always talk to each other on our birthday um and uh, but uh and then one of my best friends uh from Clements, who's still at Clements now, or has returned back to Coach Bird. Yeah. He and I, uh, and Jason and Coach Parsons, we were, you know, we were coached all coached track together. Yeah. And and coaching track was was an incredible experience at Clements too. And so we we had all this we we had all this time. We were you know sitting there waiting for our kids. Yeah. You know, watching them compete. But, you know, track meets take a long time. So we would sit there and talk and have a great time. One thing that Jason did that was just fantastic <laughs> was, uh, you know, at the time they had the, I think it was the Bud Light commercials. Uh-huh. You're like, you know, whatever, you know, like they had some sort of jingle. It was like yeah. a Mr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Real American heroes. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay. So we had, so Jason would, Jason would use that jingle and make, um, and make jingles about funny things that he saw at the track meet. And so one track meet we went to, he saw this dad, who knows how old this guy was, 40, 50, you know, whatever. And he was wearing a letter jacket. So he made the jingle, Mr. High School letter jacket wearing hero. Man, you know, that's if any ADs are listening, I don't know where Jason uh, Parsons is at now, where he coaches, but if you're looking to add the, the funny, every, every staff needs a funny guy. If you're looking to add the funny guy, and he's a great coach too. I'm, 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 I'm glossing over that fact. He's an awesome coach, but he was just great. I had the added advantage because, you know, we were both uh, on the on the freshman staff early when my first started. And 
so while, while the varsity be watching film, I would be with Jay, uh, Coach Parsons, like breaking down film or like putting away jerseys. And he would just be, it was just so much fun. He could make something like this, a monotonous task. Just like we had the time of our lives because he was constant and he, I mean, he is extremely funny, like ta- so talented, but just wanted to just get that story from you. Cause I, oh, I just yeah. know, yeah, he, he was great. So the story you're speaking of yes. was like the first day he was the first day of practice uh, and he was there and you know, we we're given our coaching material, coaching clothes and whatever. Well, he, I don't know, I don't know where he was before, but wherever <laughs> he wore a pair of jorts. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a collared shirt and jorts on. And yeah. we just, I mean, once we saw that, and I believe it was uh, easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Santos was the one that let us all know that coach Parsons was wearing jorts and never let Jason, you know, forget that. I mean, just every single year we were together, like, Oh yeah. You know, some jorts comment, you know, and <laughs> I think for a while he was even called jorts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah. So that was one of those things. And to this day, if you ask Jason about it, he will, he'll tell you, he's like, he goes, you have no idea. <laughs> How embarrassing! I feel bad laughing, but he goes, "You have no idea how embarrassed he was." Yeah. He went home and threw away the jorts immediately, and he said he's never worn a pair of jorts since that. <laughs> scarred for life. Yes. Oh man. And I, you know, oh, I know, man. I know, we're taking a little bit of deviation here, and for some listeners, maybe you're just fast forwarding through this, but I know there's going to be some that just love this segment. I mean, but I think this is this is what makes successful staffs, right? Like that we're looking back all these years later and we still have these big smiles on our face. And, and just to bring up, you know, easy coach De Los Santos, you know, who we lost, unfortunately this past year, just, it brings a smile on my face to remember him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time we were just such a close staff and I was a newer kid. And I mean, I, I get it. I, there's no denying. I was a huge dork at the, I mean, I was very quiet. I, I lived with my parents. I didn't drink at all and so I, a lot of the guys gave me ribbing for that you know uh, which I look back and I, I, I laughed too but I, I would remember easy never made fun of me and he was the coolest you know he was the cool kid he was the cool guy in the office but he always hey hey Kobe you know and he just talked to me and he, he know he never gave me a hard time and so I just I don't know it just bringing up easy it just brings back a flood of memories and so we, we, we miss him and we love him uh, mm-hmm. but yeah just just incredible times uh, you know with that staff so you know, again, uh, kudos to Coach Hume for beginning that process, putting it together. Coach Knowles for taking over and, and continuing it on. And just there's so many great memories, uh, you know, for all of us, for sure. OK, now back to where I was going back, back, back to the business here. Yeah. I do want to say for coaches listening, what Coach Fisher did uh, as far as getting those three different certs. Just so smart. Right. And then for young guys, I mean, every, every, yeah, we all want to coach PE, right? So, yes, he got the PE certification, and, you know, but you're limiting yourself. But then, he, you know, he added the science. He added, you know, the social studies composite. And I think that's really smart. So just for any young coaches listening, please don't limit yourself just to PE or SPED. Try to find a, a content area, especially harder ones. Like, you know, I don't want to say harder, but, you know, sometimes social studies, a lot of us coaches do social studies. I, I myself was a social studies composite. So if you can get the English or the mathematics, those are gold. You know, you just give yourself more opportunity. So, you know, kudos uh, to that. I was going to ask you, you know, uh, later on the show, a little, I'm going to give a little teaser here. We are going to do the Ridgepoint all-time top five offensive linemen. So if you enjoyed, if you enjoyed the Brett Sniffen top five all-time, we did a Jimmy Hammond top five defensive players. We're going to do the top five O-line. But from Coach Sniffen's original list, he did list Travis Bruffy 
as mm-hmm. one of his top five of all times. That's saying a lot in Ridgepoint history. He played at Texas Tech. So you coached him. I'm just curious, what was it like coaching Travis Bruffy? Travis was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of like kind of like the uh, characteristics we talked about, those Clements kids. You know, yeah. Travis was very much the same. He was very comfortable being out there, very intelligent kid. Um, and, you know, got, you know, was able to just like transcend his position and just be like a full team guy, you yeah. know, like everybody, he, he talked to everybody and it didn't, didn't matter who you were. He was, he would, you know, talk to you and, you know, and you could talk about anything. Um, but yeah, he was, he was such a fun kid because he was, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you, you coach a line long enough, you know that 95% of them never wanted to play O-line in the first place. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I, I can all, relate. Yep. Yeah. They all think that there's something else, you know, but, you know, tied in fullback. Yeah. I was guilty of that. Yep. You know, anything like that. Well, Travis thought he was an outside linebacker and mm-hmm. he was, you know, so incredibly tall and yeah. at the time and really didn't move that well. So we had to have a conversation with him. I remember in the Coach Sniffin episode, you, he talked about like basically convincing him, you know, his dad was ready to take him out of school, mm-hmm. like move him to a different school. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just convincing, you know, parents to keep him. We also had to convince him to change positions to go from, you know, thinking that you're an outside linebacker to you're going to make your money on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. and you know he had to think about that and so basically it's like hey you can go to college and get a full scholarship and not have to worry about anything if you go to offensive line and so eventually he uh, you know he's like okay I'll do it and so like the first year of coaching him as a as a sophomore it was like you know it, it was trying to like I mean it was it was like trying to teach a baby giraffe how to walk, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, he didn't really totally get it. He wasn't all into it either yet, but I mean, you could tell like, I mean, he's, you know, once he gets it all together, he's going to be good. And, um, you know, he, he'd make fun of, you know, he'd do, he'd make fun of like kick sliding and stuff, <laughs> you know, just kind of like the skill kids do, you know, yeah, he'd yeah. Like, you know, like put a little dance to it and everything. <laughs> I was like, okay, dude. Yeah. You know, but you know, like he actually, you know, played really well I mean and you could tell like that fall he's on JV that uh, you know that by the time game started he was in you know because he started performing and he was just mashing people across from you know other JV kids and uh, so that that JV year was very pivotal for him you know and uh, you know because he it basically gave him the confidence like oh my goodness I can do this I can you know line up and destroy the guy across from me and so you know then bring him up to varsity and uh for his junior year and that junior that his junior year the offensive line was really young I think we only had like one senior Hmm. um and um so so it was good for them all to be together um and so and he was very he was a key part of that because of his personality you know, I mean, the offensive line, you can have a lot of good guys, but if they don't all, like, if they can't communicate, they can't get along well, you know, if they don't like being around or at least working around each other, 
you know, it's, uh, it can, it can make for a really rough, (laughs) rough season, Mm -hmm. but this group, they were all good friends, you know, and they liked being around each other. And Travis was a key part of that. And now he had to trans, he had to, he had to move into like actually blocking like really fast, you know, talented people. Right. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, you know, like he's taking these steps forward, but now he had to kind of like, you know, he had to recalibrate and, um, he was still, you know, still pretty good, you know, but really the difference was made. Um, the difference was made, you know, going into his senior year. Right. And so right. like that summer, I think he, so he started to pick up, you know, like some interest and coaches started talking to him and, you know, we had a, we had a successful season prior and, you know, every, we had this core group of guys coming back. And so Travis is really intelligent and he could see what was happening, you know, for us, but also for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that, I mean, he did was, you know, he spent that summer, you know, he worked out, you know, he, he did, you know, what we, you know, he did opposite of what a lot of coaches, you know, tell their teams to do. He didn't show up to our summer workouts, mm. but he, but I knew he was working out, mm. you know, because mm. you know, we still talked to him. He went, he went and got a good, a private trainer to work uh-huh. on things specific to his skills because being so tall sure, and, you know, and, and starting to fill out, he had some different challenges that not, you know, not every high school lineman, has to overcome. So he had to work on a lot more flexibility, a lot more movement, and really a lot, you know, being a, a new convert to offensive line, he had a lot more to learn still. Right. Especially to get where he wanted to go and to help us get where we wanted. And so he got a little flack for not being really at any summer workout. Sure, summer. sure. Yeah. But right away you could tell that you know, he was, it didn't, you know, he was all in, you know, yeah. he didn't yeah. do it because I mean, yeah, he did it for himself, but he did it for us too. Yeah. And he just, he, his practice level and the way that he, pra- and the way that he went about things was just on a different level. And he had a switch, you know, I, I remember uh, listening to uh, a guy talk one time and he talked about the switch that a good football player has and you could turn it on and you could turn it off and, and Travis knew when to turn it on. And that was every single practice and every single game, he was going full speed. And when he'd come off on the sideline, he could turn it, he could turn it off. And so you could talk and process and then go back on the field, boom, it's back on and he's going full speed again, you know, in the classroom, the same way. I mean, he, you know, he was, he could, you know, turned it on and turned it off. He was, it was just that, you know, just a really, you know, very aware, you know, hardworking kid that uh, they, you know, like I said, put some foresight into what, what was about to happen for him and, and where and what and how he could use that to help us. Absolutely. And then, you know, you, you said you had the three different certifications, but eventually you settled into co- uh, teaching marine biology, which you'd done uh, also at, at Clemens, I believe. So you got to do it at Ridgepoint at the end. You got yeah. to settle in there. Uh, so besides being Coach Swift's favorite marine biologist, which is a very a high title, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you, you wear that crown proudly and you're aptly named Coach Fisher, you know, right. it's just you're, you're destined to be a marine biology teacher. Another thing about you, though, you're always at the forefront of Twitter and technology. You know, mm-hmm. I was a younger guy when, when a lot of this technology changes were happening, but I wasn't really too involved in it. And I just remember you were really involved in Twitter, you know, from the kind of the, the beginning. 
And you, mm-hmm. I remember, I specifically remember you showing me the, the perks of Google Drive. And it's something I never even thought about or dipped my toes in. But you're like, Kobo, this is so cool. Watch this. You know, we can all edit it together. We can upload new files. And I was like, oh, this is easy, coach. Even I get this. And yeah. now it's just funny. All these years later, all my team player podcast stuff is on Google Drive. Like I'm just constantly working out of Google Drive. <laughs> I love it. Um, but anyhow, you know, you, you were just kind of at the forefront of that. I, I could sense it at the time. Like Coach Fisher's like ahead of the rest of us in terms of like diving in, embracing all this new technology advancement that we're having. You came up with the Texas high school football chat. So a lot of coaches that, that are listening, that are interested in a show like this, you know what I'm talking about. Did you see the explosion coming to the tune of 21.3 thousand followers? That's a lot. I mean, I, I'm, I call you an influencer. And so, you know what, what, just tell us a story about how that all started. Okay. So, you know, I'm at Ridgepoint and, uh, you know, just try it. We're, we're looking at different ways that we can, talk to the kids, you know, basically just what, what can we use? Because at the, at the time, you know, like not only was technology booming, but we were looking at different ways that we can use it in class and how, how can we do this and stuff. And so, you know, I was on Twitter and knew a lot of the kids were on Twitter. So I started, you know, just engaging more, you know, there just to kind of have a, a way of, you know, connecting with the kids. And so eventually you know, eventually being on Twitter enough, you know, you follow these teachers and stuff. And, and so I started seeing these teachers post about these different um, education teacher chats. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll oh, check this out. I'll see what's going on. And so I got involved in those and, and started, you know, like re- answering questions about different, you know, different uh, pedagogy stuff. And, uh, and it was like, it was really fulfilling. I was like, man, I'm getting a lot of feedback from these teachers and, and being able to see different things, like basically like an ongoing, constant, ongoing mini PD session mm-hmm. you know, throughout the year. And then, um, and then, you know, I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically like something, there's a, a coach I know started a Facebook group, um, the Texas high school football coaches, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the first things that uh, we did is we were like, kind of like when you join up, they were like, hey, what's, you know, what's your Twitter handle, all this stuff. And there was a bunch of coaches on Twitter. There were so many coaches. And I was like, you know, I'd follow a lot of, I started following a lot of coaches too. And I was like, but there's no conversation going on. Right. If there was, if there was, you know, you'd see it because back then, I mean, you only had like so many followers or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, your Twitter feed didn't get all jammed up. So I was like, I'm going to start a football chat for coaches and and just kind of just, just go with it. So it was like, it was uh, January, 2015. And um, I was like, okay, I, I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna invite y'all. You know, you know, if you're on Twitter this Wednesday at eight o'clock, you know, Central Tech Central Time, uh, click on this hashtag. And I, I just decided on Texas High School Football Chat because mm-hmm. it kind of went with some of the other chats that I was in. I was like, well, that makes sense. You know, it's high school football. I'm from Texas, and it's a Twitter chat. So named it that. And I think on, and so that first one, I think there was like 10, maybe 15 coaches max that were participating. And, um, 
that first one, I don't even remember what the time, I could go back and find the topic, yeah. but uh, you know, it was, oh, I do remember now. It was like a end of season eval. Okay. You know, yep. Just kind of like, what do you, you know, like, okay, you know, little reflective experience and things like that. Very similar to what, you know, a lot of the teacher chats were doing, just a, a reflective uh, practice. And, but the coaches that were, they were, the coaches that showed up and participated, I mean, they were great. They answered all the questions and they were so excited. They're like, hey, <clears throat> I'm going to invite some friends. Is that okay? I was like, yes, please. You know, and uh, so the next week it like doubled and then yeah. just growing and growing, you know, from there. And I started getting, uh, you know, messages from other coaches like, hey, I'm not from Texas can I participate in this? I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I really can't filter that anyways, but yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that just, it just grew and grew. And at the time I was actually operating it out of my personal account and it got so big and um, it was impact. And my kids, my teeth, my classroom kids, they were commenting, they were telling me about it. They were like, yeah, we see that. What is that? And they were asking about it. But then I realized I was losing a little connection with them because my feed was getting so sure, full sure. football. So that's when I started the the other account. And uh, just kind of like after a year, I transferred over to that. And uh, and that's and then the followership just kind of took off and grew from there. So it's it's definitely been a great experience and just a, a, a connecting with and learning from other coaches. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of different uh, guest speakers on there. I've had some different college coaches on there. Um, I remember, let's see, I had uh, one of my, you know, I had Mike Canales, who was at, at the time was the offensive coordinator from North Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and he did a great uh, red zone talk. Um, had, uh, who else? Uh, oh, during COVID. Okay. So during the shutdown, yeah. um, you know, like, you know, it was, one of the, it was awesome. Um, you know, we couldn't, you know, we weren't working with our kids. Colleges couldn't, couldn't go recruit or really go, you know, they they were looking for different ways. And uh, I'll never forget this. Um, uh, Shipley, Bob Shipley mm -hmm. messages me and he goes, he goes, coach, can the UT coaches join in on Texas high school football chat this week? Wow. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, my little fanboy, just like yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, so um, we got yeah one. So that was a, a way that they started. They they came in and connected with us. You know, Herb Hand uh, was the offensive line coach, and he was he was really active um, on Twitter at the time, and, and and participating in the chats. He still participates, and I think sometimes, occasionally, the the hog football chat. Yeah, O-line focus. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, just, just it's for me, like that's, I mean, you know, the, that was like the moment that I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is really big. And I've been doing it, like I said, you know, this seven years ago. And so like, you know, five years in, you know, to have the University of Texas staff, like, say hey you know reach out and say can we participate in this i was like man this is so cool incredible you know? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you another thing that, you know, so like I've had some different, I made some different connections, you know, people like trying to help with their products and stuff. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had conversations with Jake Plummer because wow. he was involved in a, um, like a, a film breakdown software. Yeah. And, um, and so he reached out to me. So yeah, Jake Plummer, and I'm, 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 I don't know if he's changed numbers or what, but his, his number is saved into my contacts. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm just so proud of everything that, that you accomplished. With that. I'm, I'm proud of you always, but that, I just think that's so cool. Cause like, you know how it's like, whenever you see some invention, you're like, dang it. I could have thought of that. I wish oh, I would have been the one thing. And you did it. You saw this like space in the market that needed to be filled and you got there before anyone else did, you know? And so you kind of answered my question. Cause I noticed like during COVID, a lot more podcasts started popping up mm-hmm. like guys that I really like, like uh, I coach Marvin Nash hanging up coach Noonan, Peter Noonan. These are ones that I'm subscribed to. I listen to every week, <clears throat> you know? And so that they kind of filled that space. And I know they talked about like things like chalk wars, which is something I gather something similar to you, what you do, or even like zooms, like coaches hopping on zoom together. Sergio Gonzalez, you know, uh, one of our team player alums talked about, they did a zoom together where they would just draw up stuff. And it was just such a unique time. Like you said, where coach had so much time, but you were five years ahead of that, you know? So I just really think that was just such uh, forward thinking <clears throat> and I'm proud, man. That, and I, I've never been a, a huge social media guy. And, you know, now that I'm getting into podcasting and I'm starting to follow some of these other really good podcasters, uh, like coach Noonan, coach Nash, a lot of them are bringing on guests. And uh, the cool thing is for me, I listen to their podcast. I hear your name get brought up. There have been multiple occasions, like a K dog Swift, who's very well known in the Twitter community he's brought your name up on various podcasts he's been on like hanging with coach Noonan. And he just mm-hmm. said, he talked about your name so reverentially and, and your relationship helped me land that interview with him and coach Matsumoto. And, you know, I just, that makes me proud that I, I know this, this guy is a friend of mine. It's just it's like a, a well-known you're, you're, you're a kind of a celebrity, you know, in the, in the Twitter sphere there. So uh, I, I'm proud of you, man. So I, I just wanted to give you your flowers there and, you know, I, I like did you're talking to Jake Plummer and it's like, it's like obviously with that many followers you're gonna get business opportunities like for me this podcast I mm-hmm. joked around uh with, with Jimmy Hammond on his episode I mean this is a one-man operation in case you couldn't tell <laughs> you know I'm just it's just me I don't have a marketing team I'm just you know I do my stuff and I just always appreciate you coach because every time I post an episode within five seconds Texas high school football chat has liked your post and Texas <laughs> high school football chat has retweeted your cheat so your tweets so I, I appreciate that and Oh, you know, yeah. we just got to a thousand listens and I know that's not a lot in the podcast world, but for us, like for uh, me, us, I say, but for us here, the team player podcast family, like it, it means something. And so the fact that you said at the beginning, it was literally coaches saying, Hey, can I, can I tell a friend? Can I bring a friend? Anyone listening to this show, if you've been enjoying it, just let's do the same thing. Let's just do a grassroots build to share this to anyone you think who might like it. Cause it's been a lot of fun, but congratulations again on Texas high school football chat. And we're kind of getting towards the end of the show here. Uh, you know, longtime listeners know this is always where I ask about parenting aspect. You know, I've talked a lot about coaching. You know, um, I want to ask you this because I want to ask you when you I'm going to change my, my tact a little bit here and, and re- rephrase this question that I normally ask. You had a son who was a very high level deep snapper, uh, Jack, you know, your, your son, Jack, who you kind of referenced earlier. I mean, he, he was the deep snapper on a state competitor you know at Ridgepoint high school his last couple of years there uh you know my brother was a division two deep snapper they got to work together one time you know in a workout which i thought was just it was just so cool to see that them those two working together deep snapping 
that's something that I have, you know, I know so many parents are just dead set on getting the scholarship and, you know, just dead set on like going, you know, being able to have that signing day moment. Well, you know, it's just not easy for all of us. You talked about it in ninth grade year. You knew it wasn't in the cards for you. Same with yeah. me. I knew I wasn't going to be like a, a guy that's going to sign on signing day. I went to division three route, which I loved, but I've witnessed my brother, you know, who like me again, wasn't going to be a D one kid, but he, he focused on a craft and his school at the university of central Oklahoma was completely paid for. I'm here to tell you that happened like the dream that so many parents have. And it's through deep snapping. I know Jack ended up deciding not to, not to continue. And he became a very successful student at Texas tech. And he's just, he's achieving so much, but I want to talk about that deep snapping, the deep snapping portion there. Is that something that was that a thought process of yours? That, hey, this is a way that maybe if my son wants to continue to play, he could, he could go on or, or, or was it just that he liked it and gravitated towards it. Or how did you get into deep snapping? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, so when he started playing football, uh, in seventh grade, he won, he wanted to play quarterback yeah. and he had a good arm. Uh, he, he was a little league pitcher and mm-hmm. I mean, he could, he could, he could sling it, you know, but you know, he does have my genes. And so he's not like the most, the fleetest of foot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so, uh, so, you know, like he didn't like catch, he didn't catch the, the other guy, you know, the, uh, the middle school coach's eyes and, you know, really get a whole lot of opportunities to play at quarterback. And so the, the middle school coordinator at the time was a friend of mine who I worked with at Fort Settlement. And um, so I was talking to him, I was like, Hey, you know, just, you know, Jack's on the B team, you know, what, where, where can he play? You know, what can he do? You know, just, just wanted him to have a good experience and, and, mm-hmm. you know, just get an opportunity to play. He's like, well, he goes, and he goes, let's, uh, he goes, that team needs linemen, you know, center, tight end, you know, anything. So Jack, uh, you know, Jack transitioned the offensive line during that time and uh, got to play a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then over that summer, I was like, well, you know, he can still throw. And just my coaching mind kind of came together. I was like, why don't I see if he can deep snap it all? There you go. And yep. um, so he was like, he was like, what? You know, he didn't, he was like, I don't know about that. Now. I was like, well, what if I could arrange like a, you know, just like, a, a, you know, get, get you like a good lesson. Yeah. And, and he was like, well, I don't know. So going back to Fort Settlement days, and this yeah. is why it's important to keep, Keep up with all your connections and everything. My fourth element days. I were our campus tech person was Christine Pontbriand. Yep. That's yep. I know exactly where you're going with this. Yep. And her son, Ryan Pontbriand, went on to play at Rice and yes. then had a nine-year career in the NFL, mostly for the Cleveland Browns. And was drafted. He yes. got drafted. He was not an undrafted free agent. He got drafted by the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. And got, yeah. And scholarship at Rice. Yep. All those things. And I knew he was out of the league and I ran into her and I was like, Hey, does, you know, how's Ryan doing? And, and does he do lessons? You know? And she was like, yeah. She's like, let me give you his number. And so I reached out to Ryan and, um, and I set it up and then I went back to Jack. And I said, Hey, what if I could get you to meet a former NFL player? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he yep, was like, yep, yep. 
And that's when the ears perked up and he's like, oh, okay, I think I can do that. And so he went out and they worked together. Um, you know, I've got that first lesson and Ryan was fantastic. Ryan, you know, just, uh, you know, always positive, you know, lots of good feedback and just thought that I was like, it's like, Jack, you can, because you can yeah. do this. You know, you got yeah. all the ability in the world. And that right there, Jack was sold. And so we started just working on it. You know, we would, you know, after summer fitness workouts, you know, we would go out in the field or stay in the field outs if it was way too hot and just, and uh, just snap and just kept snapping. Um, eventually, you know, like he got involved in, in some of like the bigger camps, like the Coles uh -huh. and, yep. and enjoyed those. And that was fun because, I mean, you got to see the, the subculture of football yes. that, that it really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's an That's incredible right. experience, you know, to see these other parents and other kids that are just exactly like Jack. And they're all working and doing the and and snapping and and really taking a lot of pride and competitiveness, and but also like making you know making friendships with each other. And Absolutely. Everything. And uh, it was just it was one of those things that like I you know I just brought it to him because I wanted to give them an opportunity to just have a good experience and play, and uh, use the skill that I knew he already had because i'm like if you can throw over your head you can throw between your legs <laughs> absolutely spot yeah. on yes yeah and so and it worked out for him you know and he had a great and he did he had a great high school experience um he had a great competitive experience you know in those camps he learned a lot of yep. things i was just talking about this with my wife the other day just the just the experience of having to work towards that you know the and any you know like you know, any failures or, or, or things he had to overcome to get where he wanted to go. He did have opportunity to play in college. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, like you said, I mean, he, he, what I was really impressed to me was the maturity level to like step back from that and go, no, that's not, I'm, I'm not interested in, in that like that anymore. I just want to go be a, a college student and work on, work on this now, you know? So it, yeah. You did everything the right way. I mean, everything you just saw, for, again, for parents listening, that's why I brought this question up because many of you probably are, are trying to find ways maybe to, to try to earn that scholarship. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the way. This is a great way. Um, Coach Fisher's right. If you have a kid that not, most deep snappers, they can throw a good spiral. It, it's, it's rare a great deep snapper is a guy that doesn't throw the ball well. That's something like Jack. My brother was the same way. He just, he could always throw a good ball. And you kind of, I noticed that, you know? And, and then something I brought up to him and, you know, similar to Jack, he wanted to do. And so we did the same thing. It's so funny. We also got a lesson from Ryan Pompreon. It's oh, just, nice. So we did the same. We, we met him at the Plex gym out there in Stafford. Uh, yeah. He gave a great lesson. And uh, funny thing is when he was in the league, my brother was already starting to get into deep snapping or working on it. And he wrote a handwritten letter to the Cleveland Browns to address to Pompreon. Pompreon wrote him back, sent a signed um, you know, a signed uh, picture of him snapping and said, keep on snapping, Ryan, signed Ryan Pompreon. And, oh. and I just thought that was so cool. So parents, I mean, I'm going to do that as my son grows older. I'm going to take flyers and just try to write to some of these players in the NFL. They, they yeah. will write you back. I mean, they really do read those things. Uh, so kudos to Ryan Pompreon, just a first class all the way. And then just like you, as he got better and older, we put him in those Coles competition camps, just like you did. And it was great, great competition. And again, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not just trying to, I'm not bashing other sports. I'm, I'm saying the reality is in some of the other sports, there's not as many scholarships as you would think. It's right. really hard to get a baseball scholarship just because a team doesn't have un, 
they have a limited number of scholarships. So many times they parcel it out, you know, give out half or a quarter or things of that nature. Football has that advantage. I mean, again, my brother got a full athletic scholarship, just only snaps. So please, please keep that in mind. All right. Uh, some other fun stories. You, you've coached against some great guys, you know, Jake Matthews at Elkins. You talked about the, the Elkins kids going to Fort Settlement. I remember Mikey Matthews went to Fort Settlement uh, yeah. and then went on to Elkins, but uh, he was a six overall pick to the Falcons. It was a great AM Aggie. Uh, and then you said you, you didn't have to, uh, have to coach against Rashawn Slater. Uh, you did coach against Rashawn Slater because he played both ways. But to this day, you said Rashawn Slater from Clements High School is the yeah. best high school O-lineman you have ever watched. Of course, he played his collegiate ball at Northwestern and was a 13th overall pick to the Chargers. So can you just – you want anything you want to add to those the, the brushes of fame there you had coaching oh, yeah. against those guys? So, yeah, you know, I'll start with Jake. Jake actually also went to Fort Settlement, yep. and he came in to Fort Settlement as a quarterback – Mm -hmm. And uh, he played quarterback seventh and eighth grade. And I want to say ninth grade at Elkins as well. Mm -hmm. In fact, I want to, if I remember correctly, Derek, you know, Derek Carr was our freshman quarterback and he played against Jake Matthews. Elkins, wow. Quarterback. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> and then that spring, Jake moved over to offensive line where he really just made his money. I mean, he was just, I mean, you could just tell, I mean, he, he had started getting bigger and, and just his athleticism. He was just, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, it was just, he was fun to watch, but Rayshon, Rayshon is such a great kid. I mean, I remember going to a lineman challenge and uh, he, uh, he, I, I didn't know who he was. Um, I mean, I knew who he was, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not going to stop and say hi to him because all I've seen is on, on film or going to scout a game or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he stopped me. He was like, Hey, you're coach Fisher. Wow. I was, like, I was like, yeah, he goes, let me, I'm Rayshon Slater. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he saw me from Twitter and everything. And he was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. And just wanted to, you know, just introduce himself. I was like, man, thanks a lot. You know, what an incredible just, character. And that's career. just, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But he was so good. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I mean, and both sides of the ball, the entire game, never seemed to lose any, you know, it just, it, it played, I don't know, his quality of play never diminished throughout the game. Yeah. It was yeah. Just, he was so strong, so powerful. I remember watching him when he was playing offensive, well, really both sides. I mean, it, his first punch was just devastating. And I mean, we just couldn't, I mean, there, whoever lined up across from him, I was just like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Sure, you, know? sure, sure, sure. you just got, you just got destroyed. <laughs> you know? But yeah, he was so good. So, so powerful. So incredibly powerful. Man. And yeah, this is great. Cause I mean, I, I, I'm glad that we had this conversation cause I did not, I apologize for the mispronunciation. It's Ray Sean Slater. I've been calling him Rashawn, but uh, that's good it to know. I don't, I'm, honestly, you could be right. I'm not, I might be wrong. Okay. Well, either way, either way, but I'm, I mean, I, I, he's always impressed me. I know coach Darnell uh, mm -hmm. would always tweet about him. And it, I thought it was so cool that both he and Derek Carr, when Clements had this storybook season, they were one and nine, two years ago, four yeah. and six last year. And now they went to a seven-win season, made the playoffs. I saw on Twitter both Derek Carr and Rashawn Slater both were both gave video like you know uh, pep talks to the team, which I thought was so cool because those guys obviously have so much you know going on preparing for their NFL games. Um, but just just really cool. 
Uh, obviously, Derek Ruthart is a good mutual friend of both of ours. Uh, Jason Haddock, the defensive coordinator, is a team player podcast alum. His episode, you know, is, is also going to be out uh, right around yours. And so, yeah, just, just such a great job. Bobby Darnell, uh, he's, he was on vacation, but I'm trying to work out a time to bring because he's got to be on the show. Right? Oh, he's yeah. going to be great. And so, yeah, just kudos uh, to, to all of them. And we're kind of getting towards the end of the show. I think you're going to set the record. You're going to beat Coach Sniffin's record, I think. We're, we're approaching two hours, and so it's going to be a long one. But, hey, I knew it was going to be this way because you and I go back, and we just have so many great memories to, to share with each other. But let's go over your favorite teams. We're at the favorite team segment. Right. You said it all starts with the Texas Longhorns. They are your day one for every sport. Longtime listeners know my one hobby is I collect sports jerseys. I have 430 of them, y'all. Yes, it's a problem. Yes, I've been doing it for 15 years. My wife scolds me enough, so I don't, I don't have so much explaining and justifying on why I do this, but I have stopped now that I'm a dad. I'm not buying any more, but I am wearing my Vince Young. Shout out to go. Madison High School, Houston, UT Austin. Shout out to Vince Young. So I'm wearing my Vince Young in honor of Coach Fisher. He's also a big Cowboys fan, and I've known this. And just another just kind of happy memory of, of easy, you know, as I kind of just reminisce about him. But I know you two are both big Cowboys fans. And in, in the office, it was always good natured ribbon back and forth between the Cowboys fans and the Texans fans. And this mm-hmm. part, I did not know that you're a Chicago Cubs fan. Did, yeah. did not know that. And I know all of us, I'm, I'm assuming it's because of WGN, because I remember when I was, you know, I'd come home from school, turn on WGN, and there was Harry Carey and the Cubs in a day game. Is, is that your experience or? Actually not. Uh, okay. Okay. Really? Yeah, I didn't grow up with cable. Um, okay. So I, I didn't, the, my first experience, you know, growing up, we went to Rangers games and we had, you know, there was Nolan Ryan and some of the heavy hitters, you know, back then and mm-hmm. stuff. But I remember one summer uh, we went on a, uh, a choir trip with the church to Chicago. Oh, okay. And um, we went to a Chicago Cubs game. This is in 89. That's awesome. So the Cubs were good that year, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a day game and it was just an incredible experience. And I felt like it was one of those moments where like you walk in and you're like, okay, I've been to baseball games, but this is my actual first baseball game I've ever really been right, to. Right, you know? right, right. Like this is what it's supposed to be. And I just fell in love with the Cubs immediately and just, followed them, you know, the rest of that season. And, for, you know, they got they got put out of the playoffs uh, by the Giants and, um, you know, just kept kept with them all through the, you know, you know the following years, they were bad again. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know, in college when they got Kerry Wood, I was like, oh, yes, you know, and I got to talk smack to my Astros friends because they were, yeah. uh, you know, Kerry Wood goes out there and strikes out 20 sure. more guys. Yep, <laughs> you know? yep, yep. And then, you know, getting to see their uh, their championship in 2016, that was just, yeah, it's been, it's fun. I just love being, I, I love keeping up with the Cubs. They're just fun. So cool. I mean, and, and for those listeners that haven't done it, I mean, Wrigleyville is an experience. I mean, I, I've done it twice. Once when I was a little kid, I didn't remember, but was able to go back more recently. And if, for those that don't know, I mean, it's kind of like in a residential area, which is really unusual that a major league ballpark is just stuck right in this area. And so there's no actual like parking lot. Like it's not like Minutemen. Yeah, walk up. Yeah. And so I remember parking, we found like a gas station that had shut down for the day and they would pay and they would park there, but just, and just, you said the buzz, they got all these little sports bars right around the stadium and just every, everybody's having a good time. And it's just, it's, it's a great atmosphere, but now we're to the start bench cut portion. We're going to put coach Fisher on the hot seat. 
As always, Start Bench Cuts are brought to us by our good friends at the MVP Marketing Group. That's a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Basically, what they do is if, if your district wants to try to attract outside sponsors to generate more revenue for your district, that's where my, the CEO, Mike Vogler, can help you. He's, he's done this. I, he, we worked together at Dactronics, and now he's, he's started his own company. But basically, you know, he can help you create a plan to attract sponsors. So give him a call. His contact is in the show notes. You can just talk to him, and just he'll, he'll tell you more about it if you feel like it's a good fit. Just tell him Coach Kobo sent you. He said he's going to give you a team player podcast discount. So definitely something to consider there. All right, here we go. As far as with the Cubs, one last thing. I always, when I think of the Cubs, I think of Will Ferrell imitating Harry Carey on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Hey, Norm, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? <laughs> I know I would. And I, I just, that's like my big memory growing up as a kid and, and loving that. That I, I, Will Ferrell as Harry, as, as Harry oh, yeah. Carey is just, gold so i'll never forget that but as far as with the cubs you you know him way better than i do i thought i just wanted i wanted to do a mount rushmore for this one i'd like to do a mount rushmore for the chicago cubs just give me your top four uh your top four all-time cubs from your fandom okay so for me it starts with ryan sandberg oh yep yeah that's that's what i was thinking yeah my number one yeah and then uh andre dawson number two uh oh yeah yeah, um, the hawk. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to put. Even though I never got to see him play, you got to put Ernie Banks on there. Just you know, he's Mr. Cub. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was thinking Cub. about that because I mean, it's way before our time, but everybody says I mean, he's Mr. Cub. So Mr. Cub, right? Yeah. And he's still yeah. alive. So you can still yeah. get to hear his stories and everything. And then the fourth one was tough. Um, you know, you could put Greg Maddox on there because he's true. He started there and he had, he won a Cy Young for him um, or with him. And but you know, and then I thought about like Mark Grace. Uh, Mark Grace, well, yeah, he's loved by the Cubs fans for sure. Loved by the Cubs fans, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Um, but yeah, that that's the tough part. I mean, like for me at the time, I felt it was those three guys. It was Ryan, Andre, and Mark Grace. You know, and then um, who else? Shoot. Well, not to get controversial or anything, but it, did, <laughs> is the PED allegation against Sammy Sosa, is that, did that kind of cloud how you feel about him? Or is Sammy Sosa also kind of in your top? You know, Sammy, I mean, definitely you got to appreciate Sammy's contribution to. What a special time that was with Mark McGuire, yes, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean he's, he helped bring back baseball. Yes, I agree. I agree. And, with you. and I think, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think Sammy definitely could be number four. PEDs, I mean, they're all using yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to get to. I, I agree with you, but you know, so I, I am so, for Sammy Sosa. Yeah, me, I just honestly, I mean, I was just think I was probably just thinking about the team that I fell in love with. And, oh, I see. Yep, uh, and Sammy slipped my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think Sammy should be on it. Yeah. Okay, and then this is one I didn't have on the list, but you know, you talked about Ricky Williams was your all-time number one. I'd like to hear the rest of your Mount Rushmore. If you had oh. to pick a top four UT, I would love to hear after Ricky who are your next three. Okay, so Ricky, and you got to have Earl Campbell on there. Absolutely. Um, Tyler Rose. Yeah, you got to have Vince Young. Yes. And then fourth, uh, shoot, fourth is tough. Um, yeah. You know, because you go old school, you got James Street, or you could put mm. Tommy Novus. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's so many good guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could, but you could even argue i mean like priest holmes yeah you know you could argue colt mccoy i mean yep. he was winning his college quarterback for a time absolutely mm. 
but I think I got to go James Street because just because sure. winning national championships. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that was excellent, and that's a tough one, especially as a fan like you to pick four. But that that was that was. <laughs> now you're again. We talked about your Cowboys fandom. Always catches your grief around the office. But you're an O-line coach. I know you remember those O-lines of the 90s, the three-time champions there, right there in the, in the 90s, the how about them Cowboys teams. Um, <laughs> so let's do a Hog Molly's edition. Okay. This is what I'm going to give you these three, but I'm going to allow you subs if you want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say start. We're going to go start, bench, cut now. So you got to start one. you got to bench one. you got to cut one. I'm putting out there Nate Newton, Larry Allen, big-time names there. Nate, Nate Newton, Larry Allen, your guards. And then I was always a big Mark Stepnowski fan the Polish aspect of it as a Kovaleski. I love that. And also that he was kind of a little guy, you know, it's relatively yeah. speaking, he's powerful and quick. Um, but also I, I do, I do want to recognize Mark two and a and Eric mm -hmm. Williams. So if you feel like that they should be in that top three, you can sub them if you'd like, but let's go start bench cut Nate Newton, Larry Allen, Mark Stepnowski. All right. So I'm starting Larry Allen. I mean, good call. Yeah. I mean, the dude, he, he's, he's like the prototype. I mean, he, he's incredible. Yeah. You know? A mauler. Yeah. 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 And then, so bench and cut was tough because I can make arguments either way, you know, because like, you know, being part of the offensive line, you need those guys that, you know, that do, you know, that are, that are just really good at it, but also kind of bring everybody together. Mm -hmm. And that's Nate Newton. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But then you also know how important that centerpiece is. You know, sure, the, the sure. center can make or break the offensive line because the communication starts there, you know. And uh, so, I mean, that was just – that was tough. But I I ended up going uh, – so start Larry on, bench Nate Newton, and cut Stepnoski. <laughs> just Fair because – yeah. How important to me, how important, you know, like the ability to do your job, but also like bring the whole five of y'all together. And I think Nate is the perfect example of that guy. Totally agree. And also, you know, Mark went off to the Oilers a little sooner. I mean, he didn't, he didn't quite have the tenure of like a Nate Newton in Dallas. But one thing I do want to ask you, coach, again, it's been a long episode, but I just love picking your brain as an O-line coach. In, I don't know what, you, I don't know how you're going to answer this, but is the center the most important position on an O-line? What are your thoughts on that or no? Um, to me, there's just like, uh, there's characteristics of each one. I don't know if he's the most important, sure. but he is, it is important to have a certain type of guy. Sure. You know? um, so like when I think of like a center, I need, first off, I need a guy who can think fast and communicate it fast, you know, can not just, you know, not just think about it, but also be able to say other things, you know, and tell, tell the other guys real quick. Um, and then obviously you gotta be able to snap, you know? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I broadcast high school football still. And I was like coach for 11 years. I'm still surprised sometimes how many times I see bad snaps. Oh know, yeah. Dribbling to the, to the quarterbacks. That was always my thing when I was head coach at Aldine is he gotta be able to snap. Number one, first, mm -hmm. first, first test of us picking a center they have to be consistent on the snap so totally agree with you there oh yeah and then when you think of like you know like you mentioned like Stepnoski's size mm -hmm. to me like your size isn't as important at mm -hmm. center because especially depending on the guards to each side of you you're going to get in most cases you know run scheme or pass scheme protection you're going to get help sure you know from sure. from from one side or the other with the guard and so to me, like, I mean, as long as you're can, you know, a, a fighter, a scrapper, you know, 
and um, you know, and able to do those things to snap and communicate. That's the, what makes the center, you know, such an important piece. I don't know about the most important, yeah, but it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. No, great answer there. All right, now last thing, last part of the show today. Again, you're just you're just so great all over social media, and that that extends to Facebook too. And you are our moderator for our Ridgepoint High School alum group. Yeah. And again, this is where I Ridgepoint, it feels more almost like a college. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how many high school teams, but maybe there are more, but like, I don't know. This is a pretty robust Facebook group that we have that we share the successes of the current team or look back on, on accomplishments of, 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 of our past, uh, you know, some of our alums, you know, and what they're doing now. And you're the moderator of that. It, it, I'm so happy you did that. <laughs> and so, you know, like I said, the, 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 the Brett Sniffin top five all time was, was a big hit among some of the alums that I talked to, um, Jimmy Hammond's episode is coming out soon. It's going to have the top, top five defenders. Or actually, it'll be out by the time this is released. So, mm-hmm. Coach Fisher, I, I, I want to ask you, we, you know, Bruffy made the top five O-line, but I, wanna, I just want to narrow it to the O-line so that they get their flowers. I would mm-hmm. like, from because you, you've pretty much seen it all. You, you came in year two, so really you've seen it all, and you're still there. Who are the top five offensive linemen of all time in the illustrious history of Ridgepoint High School football? <laughs> <laughs> this was tough too because those are my guys you know and they are i love every single one of those guys that have that have been in on the off, on the offensive line you know whether you know whether they played or didn't play much i mean they are i have a big group chat yes. with all yeah. of them still oh really that's awesome yeah that's the great brotherhood you know what's it and, called uh, the boom crew brotherhood love it Oh yeah. my God. I, I love, Oh my gosh. That is great. I coach. I did not know that. And again, kudos to you. That shows, that shows the type of relationships that, that, that you're building that you got all those guys. And just, I want to interrupt you real quick on this. I just thinking of all the greats that have come through 500 waters, like Boulevard. And I don't know if this guy's going to make your list, but the greatest nickname of all time is one year old lineman, the goose. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I don't know if he's going to make your list, but just in case he doesn't, can you even share that the story behind that nickname? Because I, I don't know the story behind it. I honestly don't know the story about <laughs> that nickname. Um, and I know I could ask him uh, and he'd tell me. He might have told me one time, but it was like, I can't, I mean, it's either it wasn't worth remembering or it's just like one of those like, oh my goodness. And, and we're speaking about Jack Green for listeners that are playing. Are. We're talking about Jack Green. He played, he played at Rice. I mean, I remember going, watching him starting against U of H yeah. at Rice Stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I just when you started talking about that group chat, I just thought of the goose, and I just I had yeah. to ask. So sorry to interrupt. I'll, I'll ask him. I'll, I'm definitely going to have to ask him. I'm going to have to write the goose. He lives <laughs> in Austin now. Jack lives in Austin. He's working for like a hospital, like medical yeah. sales or something. Yeah, very totally cool. different. I mean, I, he has totally changed his body too. I saw. I've seen the yep. I've seen it on Facebook. Absolutely. But yeah, he came and spoke to the team at Thanksgiving. And very cool, you know, because Coach LeFevre is uh, invites all the alumni or as many as they can, yeah. But, anyways, so yeah, uh, shoot the top five offensive linemen. That, and like you said, it's been tough. And like I said, every they're all so special, they really are special to me, um, yes. And, um, so when I'm making this list, when I made this list, I just started like writing down names and then I started thinking like different categories and different stuff like that. You know, because, uh, you know, being an offensive line coach, you know, you know, you're not always getting, you know, just like these cookie, you know, these, these tremendous athletes, you got to have like pieces everywhere. 
um, you know, the guys that are, you know, there are guys that are made for it and built for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, they go on and, and do great things. And then there's other guys who are, you know, like just really overachievers, you know, and they, mm-hmm. and they use their, and they're, they're able to overcome, you know, whatever height or size advantage that they have by other things, you know, whether it's the, you know, their commitment in the weight room and, and adding strength or their quickness and, or just their ability to just get the job done, you know? And so, I mean, just so many guys. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to name a lot of guys. That's but, fair. Uh, hey, absolutely. Uh, I, I love giving flowers. So if, if you want to okay. go above five, absolutely. I'm definitely no problem at all. I want to recognize as many as we can. So when it comes to like, this is the top five, like the, probably the best of the, of, um, and like I said, this, this has been the best group. I, I love the offensive coaching them and yeah. they're the best guys that, on the team in my opinion. Yeah. The best of the best to me. I mean, Travis is up there, you know, yeah. Travis is definitely up there. Then, um, Gabe Hawkins, one of the best. Yeah. Offense. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tremendous. He went on to play at Fordham and just finished recently, actually. Um, then, and, and he was a, and so he, Gabe, a, a little bit after I had left, but I mean, he was in the program when I was there and kind of like a kind of built maybe like me, kind of like an athletic, he, he wasn't a huge guy, kind of more of using yeah. his quickness and strength style offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Like multiple positions. So like, uh, so he was on, he was a sophomore on your last team. That's right. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so later on, he, he played a lot of guard and then his senior year, he rotated guard and tackle. Wow. Um, just, but tremendous. I think in college, he actually snapped some too. So oh, I mean, okay. he played every position. Uh, then the next guy, just a big mauler, yeah. Caleb Rodkey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. More recent. Yeah. Yeah. More recent. Um, the first guy I was introduced to pretty much when I got on campus you couldn't miss Arian Ferguson. Big Ferg. Yeah. Okay. That, that's definitely from my era. <laughs> you know, good size, good athletic ability. I mean, he was, I mean, he was aggressive, strong, big kid. I mean, man. And now he, he, he was very aggressive. He had a mean streak to him. Now oh, he, I, I see on social media, he's a chef. And he's, he's just got a big smile on his face as he delivers his, his meals around the city. And so, hey, sh- yeah. follow. I don't know his Twitter handle off the top of my head, but I mean, check that out. Maybe Coach Coach Fisher has it on there. But uh, yeah, Arian Ferguson, very accomplished chef. So if you want to, if you want to give it, a, give him a sample, definitely do that. Yeah. And then last was a senior off of this year's team, Ogden Morrison. Very similar to Gabe. Okay. And I don't very think I know him at all. I don't. I don't recognize that name so much. So no. tell us about Ogden. So Ogden is very similar to Gabe. He's not like overly tall. He's very strong, very quick, um, really powerful. I mean, when he he punches you, kind of like I talked about uh, Slater earlier, you know, like when he when he gets on you, boom. I mean, you can see the the head jerk yeah. of the uh, of the defensive lineman, and just just really good, you know, really good athletic specimen. Um, and he's going on to play, I think Texas Wesleyan where he's going to okay. be but yeah so he's been a two-year starter for us played guard and tackle um you know played ta- he's a really i mean you know re- we had him slated to play guard and then um you know because of like an injury he ended up 
uh, having to go play tackle, you know, mm-hmm. just, a, just that he's really flexible, you know, can do either side. So yeah, just, just really good. So then, but then, you know, like I was think, thinking about like the different squads, like I feel like, you know, like, and this, uh, this wasn't as hard, you know, like the different, like 2015 was the best group of mm-hmm. offensive linemen. I mean, we had three D1 kids, you know, you had Gabe on there. So really you could say you had a fourth. Mm-hmm. You know, then you had Brandon Chevalier at center, mm-hmm. who was that, who was that guy I was talking about earlier, you know, at center, very smart, very scrappy, you know, and an overachiever. Yeah. Um, you know, and also our deep snapper, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, guys like him were there, you know, the 2020 squad was, pr- was pretty solid, you know, and it's to me, like, you know, it, it's, it shows, you know, if you have a good offensive line, you're going to do things in the playoffs too. So our two, to me, you know, like the, the two teams that went the deepest had a really good offensive line. And that 2015 team, they were juniors that 20, uh, 2014 year, you know, that, yep. that took us to, yep. in the, to the third round against Temple. I mean, so they were, they were right there, you know, and they were so good. Um, but, you know, like I said, yeah. And then, so, you know, you know, you got to throw Jack Green in there. Marcus Montemayor was always a gamer. Oh, yeah. And very physical. Um, and then, you know, another guy who, uh, who was our sixth, like the, the sixth man, the probably one of the best sixth offensive line, Tyler Peterson. I love Big Pete. Oh, yeah. I remember because he had moved, moved in a, a kind of a later yeah, move. From Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? That's right. Yeah, that guy. We do have a, a guy that, and we'll see. Uh, he's, and we have a guy this year very similar to Travis Bruffy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, Peyton Farmer. Um, he's, you know, this is his third year. This will be his third year playing offensive line. You know, really tall. He's like six, eight, maybe six, nine. I don't wow. know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's, you know, very cut from a lot of the same cloth that Travis is very Interesting. You know, yeah. strong leader, you know, great effort. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year. He could, he could end up cracking the top five possibly. So, I mean, yeah, you know, and I know I've, I, we're, we're already past two hours. So I've just oh, yeah. like the heck with it. Let's just keep going. Cause I do, I do want to ask you, cause coach Sniffen brought this up in episode 14 talking about the players that, you know, were, program kids what co- coaches call them a lot of times where they they don't they're not multi-year varsity letterman you know that they that they play J- what's that <laughs> i said that's my next that's my next category oh, okay so we're on the like same program line guys the guys that are just like you gotta have absolutely because when coach stiffen brought that up and he it, it meant a lot to him guys like you know trey brock is a receiver that did mm-hmm. that but i recall i think especially after i left when i was doing broadcasting you had a couple guys which i think you're about to talk about that did just that so please yeah please share that because i love these stories these are these are great stories here so even i mean uh, my first like my first program o-line guy is goes back to your time danny woodard yes danny absolutely and and yeah he played on the top level every year he was there but still i mean i mean you know size and everything he was you know he was a fullback playing guard you know yeah 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 but just just an incredible incredible high effort guy you know great to have on the offensive line um and then yeah so it's like 
uh, we uh, and we had some guys. I remember we had uh, it was uh, 2017, the 2017 season. Class, uh, uh, we had this kid Trayvon Howard. He is a program offensive lineman, and he worked his way up. He was a freshman white team, a sophomore yep. B team, yep. a junior year B team. So yeah. he's beat him every single year yes. until he got to varsity. And because, you know, because of, you know, his work in the spring and his, his ability to move, you know, he ended up starting at left tackle for us as a, yeah. as a senior, you know, just an incredible guy that just kind of just, you know, worked his way through the system and then, you know, and then it worked out for him. You know, he, he had a great high school experience. Hey, coach, uh, coach, I'm curious to ask, just because, I mean, you know, for parents or, or players that listen, a lot of times, you know, you'll see a kid that makes B team, B team, B team. They think they should be varsity. Sometimes they'll quit. Sometimes they'll transfer. You know, sometimes you're going to get grief from the parent. Can you just describe uh, what, what was Trayvon's attitude the whole time? Or, or did the parents ever come to complain? Or what? I'm just really curious because it, it sounds like that, that that young man and his parents handled that situation the way that we all should and just kept grinding and believed in the process and, he, and he, it worked out for him. But I'm curious, what was, what was uh, Trayvon and his parents' reaction to being B team three year or, you know? Right. Trayvon, I mean, Trayvon was a very quiet kid. Um, he never like, never like questioned us or asked us anything. I think the most like was like his sophomore year, like he wanted to play a little defense. So like on, mm. you know, on, on those, on those uh, JVB teams, he asked if he could play defense and those B teams. I mean, heck, you were, they were, you know, you're always like, yeah, because yeah, sure. <laughs> everybody plays all yeah. over the place on those games. But it was one of those things like, and his parents were, you know, they always were just very supportive. I mean, awesome. they didn't, uh, yeah. I don't ever remember having a conversation with them regarding, you know, like, you know, like, Hey, what, what are you doing with my kid? Why are you, you yeah. know, or questioning us in that way. It was more, you know, because I think, I think especially the way Coach Sniffen established it, we all had a great open relationship and open lines of communication with our parents mm -hmm. and doing like the home visits and stuff. We opened yeah. those lines and told them like, hey, this is what we're, this is where your kid is and what we're doing with him and why we're doing it. And I think it helped, uh, you know, it helped calm you know, whatever questions that they might've had. And so he was just, yeah, very quiet, you know, and, and just, you know, always do what we asked, you know, he was one of those kids that like, like I made a point every day to try to get him to smile because it's not like he was upset all the time. Sure. But he was so quiet and, yeah. and just yeah. great face. Yeah. I was like, I've got to make him smile. So that That's was awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> but another program kid that I think about sometimes too, is sometimes, you know, like, you know, you get in points sometimes where, you know a kid can do another position, but you really need him at this spot. Mm, um, yeah. And so uh, Cameron Plummer is a kid that graduated. Uh, he was on the 2020 team. Okay. And uh, he's kind of, he's tall, you know, very athletic, weight room fiend, but not a really big guy, but he played offensive line. But really, I mean, he could have played defensive end for us all year. But we sure, had sure. depth at defensive end, and we didn't have on the offensive line. Right, right. So we asked him, you know, to, you know, think of the team, do this for us. 
and uh, you know, we'll get you a DN snap here, there. And we did, you know, we, you know, he started the full season for us at left tackle and he ended up getting a few snaps, you know, at key moments, not just like finishing out a game at DN. He ended up getting a scholarship to Sam Houston uh, to play defense, play defensive line. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Man, this, that, that, th- those stories, I just love to hear, Coach. I mean, just, just trusting, just trust. That, yeah. That's the biggest thing when I talk to coaches. They echo that to parents when I ask for the advice. It's just, it's just trust. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then I always got to shout out my ultimate program, guys, the, the offensive line that you just love having on there. You know, and they, and they love being part of it, whether they play or they don't play. Guys like A.J. Dorsey. A.J. Oh, he was on my basketball teams, too, when I co- – yep. Love AJ. <laughs> Jordan Flores. Ah, oh, whoa, yep, yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a guy like Chase Fleming. So they're just, okay. uh, like I said, I love all my guys. They're, yeah. they're part of my family. So they're just, they're, they're great. And I, and I love being able to stay connected with them. Man, what a, what a great episode this has been. You've, you've set the record. You've made Team Player Podcast History Coach. You, you have the mark to beat for longest episode ever, but it's been a great one. Uh, if, if you're loving it like I do, please, again, leave the five-star review. It takes 10 seconds. Hit the follow button. That way you get the new episode in your, in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore KOBO for all the latest team player podcast updates. If you're loving what we're doing here, reach out to us if you want. You know, you can reach out on Twitter or uh, teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com is our email. And we lift up our own here inside Team Player Nation. So if you have a suggestion, let me know, and I'll go track that coach down and bring him on here. If you want to come on the show, uh, reach out. We're, we're just looking for like-minded people. That's all we're creating here is just, just celebrating great coaching going on all across the country. Um, as always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, who uh, Coach Fisher knows well. He, he, he designed that beautiful cover art that we have, so props to Kaiser. And then our intro and exit music is a Clements guy, which you may have crossed paths with. So I don't, I don't know if yeah. you, yep. So you were there for Dominique Williams. Of course, his stage name is Avrion. And uh, so it, um, our music is my favorite song from his debut album. It's called One More Good Enough. And that's from Avrion's self titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A V R I O N. Coach Fisher, this has been awesome. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the show today. Oh, man. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed this. What a, what a great, uh, great conversation and a great trip through just all those years. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, I'm but you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy 